Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 201, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Got a fun show for you prepared today. Matt Holiday will join us in 15 what? minutes. Chris Kerber, voice of the blues, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to play NFL Better Bet. Hot take or hot garbage is today. I like that one. Take a look at tonight's Thursday night football game, which is going to be fantastic. It's an NFC North matchup between the two teams that will be battling throughout the course of the year for that division title. No offense to Marcy's Vikings. I don't know if they're going to get back into it. And if you're a Bears fan, I don't need to say anything right now. You know how your team looks. But why don't we go ahead and continue to talk about how frustrating this Cardinals team is because last night was once again, Jamie, another example of an area that they need to improve. What are you talking about? Didn't we get the message, the text <laughs> message yesterday about the, the defense and, oh, there's some of the metrics. I think it was about Contreras. It was more about met- Contreras. Yeah, yeah. Some of the metrics that look pretty good. That's the problem with with statistics. You can bend them the, any way you want, Jamie. You can bend it left, you can bend it right, you can bend them like Beckham. I don't care. Wow, well done, by the way. That was good. You can you, you can been tra- make... thinking about that all day, haven't I, you? No, that actually just bit? came to me. Did it really? Yeah. I'd wow. admit if I had, like yeah, I had that one in the holster for a while. Yeah. I didn't that, that one good. came right off the noggin. So. Anthony's a soccer guy. That's why he I am. He yeah. used the soccer lingo. I say nil and a lot. You do notice it. Anthony uh, does like to bend it. I certainly do, Jamie. Who yep. doesn't? So last night you had a couple of uh couple of errors. That a cost you well Anthony, three, three in uh, a span of a minute and a half. Yeah, not which, even. Which literally cost you the game, at least a run that cost you the game. And this has been an area that has been an issue. Now you only had officially one error. Well, yeah, this the other is, one was a brain fart. This is, but this is the thing, because <laughs> we you can look at errors and you can look at certain percentages and say, "Wow, well, the Cardinals defensively aren't that aren't that bad." But you, as Cardinals fans, you've been watching this. Mm. Maybe not lately, but you 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 watched it early. You watched it through the first half. You have eyes. Use your eyes to to look at what's what's wrong defensively. It might not be an error, but if a guy's not getting to a, a ball, he's not cutting it off. He's not he's not handling it right in the outfield. If he's missing cutoffs, that's all fundamentals. That's all defense. That's all run prevention. It's not just the pitching. We can go problem A pitching. 1A, though, I'm putting it right there, defense. Yeah. If you don't improve your defense, I don't care who you get in the offseason, whether it's three pitchers, four pitchers, 
The 6-1 Heat wants 19 new pitchers. Fine. I don't care how many pitchers you get. If your defense sucks again, you're you're going to have issues. So here's where I am at with it. Is I think last night was a clear indication as to how you need to utilize the rest of this season because all of those bad plays slash errors were made by young players. Yeah. Palacios goes out there, does the old bird flip, just flips the ball to nobody. And Kirkuto, I think that's his name, that's mm-hmm. how you say it, he's not even looking <laughs> at all. And so this dead bird gets thrown in from the outfield. It drops and rolls 50 feet. Yep. Kirkuto's not looking. The guy's like, oh, okay, bad news bears. I'll take third. And then Herrera makes a really young player mistake. Yep. Luke and Baker hustles over. The big boy got going there, too. The big re- He almost fumbled the ball. He got a hold of it. And I was like, look at this guy go. Fires at the home plate, which is the right play. Plenty of time. That guy was out. No, he wasn't. Because <laughs> Herrera just tagged the bag or, or whatever. You're not playing first. He's got to obviously swipe the tag down there. As soon as it happened, he knew, like, oh, my God. Like, he even looked at the ump, and he's like, yeah, I tagged the bag. The ump's like, yeah, yeah I know, bad play. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm assuming that's what he said. Sure. But those are three guys now that epitomize where some of your problems have come from. And it goes back for me to the flexibility, air quotes, that they have in the outfield and as positional players. You, you got to lock it down. So yeah. you got Goldie and you got Arenado. And I don't care if Nolan Arenado made three bad plays, guess what? You're remembering them because he doesn't make bad plays. Yeah. I'm giving him a pass. I'm giving Goldie a pass on any defensive mishaps that have happened this year. Why? Because they're pretty fantastic defensively. You don't believe me? Check out the collection of gold gloves. Mm-hmm. And check out the metrics. I don't care. But after that, like, where's your solid defense? Mason Wynn has been great. Nolan Gorman, he's okay, work in progress. But again, he's not a second baseman. So now you have a deficient player, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. For lack of better words, without having to explain everything, a deficient player at second base, which is a pretty big spot to be. A lot of, a lot of balls could hit the second base. A lot of action with the second baseman. And you got a guy that's, eh, so-so. Your outfield is new to center fielder. Eh, he plays there. Where did he start? Right field. Then he moved to left field. Now he's in center field. Why? Because Dylan Carlson is hurt again. So then Brendan Donovan goes from second base. You had to move him because you had to make room for Gorman. So Donovan goes out to left field. Is he a left fielder? That's good. But is he truly a left? Like, does he have a ton of reps out in the field? I don't know. Tommy Edmond, gold glove, second baseman, gold glove nominee at shortstop. Let's play him in center field. No disrespect to Tommy. He probably could be in the running for a gold glove at center field, too. It's fine, but it's not his natural position or not one that he's played recently. Then you've got guys all over the place. Burleson's playing first. He's playing left field. Walker's playing right field, but he's a third baseman by nature. You have all of these projects that are in the works, and then you've got three young guys last night making bad decisions all at the same time. Actually, Kirikuda's not even that young. I think he's... His last at-bat in the major was like 2016. So he's got to have a little bit of age on him. But now you know why he's his last at-bat was in 2016. He's obviously, there's a, there's a miss there. Yeah. So the Cardinals, for me, from this point to the end of the season, this is when you just absolutely hunker down on fundamentals with these guys. Hey, Willie McGee, whoever you got for your infield guys, like this is, I don't care about batting practice. From here to the end of the season, I don't care. Don't take BP. I don't care. Get out there and shag balls in the outfield, uh, ground balls in the infield, 
video room mm -hmm. for any questions. Like, this is essential for the Cardinals, or they'll have a repeat of all this crap again next year, which, to your point, yesterday and today, is they've gotten away from being a defensively sound baseball team. Yes, they've sold out for the offense. Jamie, we started on Monday talking about the 49ers at one, we, at one point. We didn't lead the show with it, but we talked about the 49ers, and we talked about positionless football. Debo Samuel, Kurt, you know Christian McCaffrey, these guys can move all around. Screws up the defense. Is that Debo there? Debo's in the backfield now. Are we playing man-to-man? -man? Are we playing zone? How do we... Oh, McCaffrey's in the slot now. Okay, next play. McCaffrey's in the backfield. Debo's in the slot. I don't know what's going on. What do we do? Positionless football. That's fun. Positionless baseball doesn't work. Moving guys around like you just described and just having position... It's positionless. You show up, you'll find out where you're playing. It doesn't work, at least not for this team. No. We need reps. The, the other thing is, you're either the old Bill Parcells, you're either coaching, I was either Parcell or, or, or Belichick. You're either coaching it or allowing it. You are either coaching this or you're allowing this. I don't care that it was Palacios. I don't care that it was Caracuto. I don't care that it was Herrera. They're all under your umbrella. If you're doing it with these guys, you're doing it with the other guys that are coming up. Herrera's been in the system now a couple of years. Young player, he's been in the system. Mm. Do we? Does he not know that you need to tag the runner in that situation? But that he's I not playing blame, first base? I also blame the guys on the field. Because like I'm sure Goldie in that situation would have said, hey, ground ball, place to home. Herrera's got to know. I know. Herrera has got to I know. know this, but it, it's a team problem. Okay, too. Jamie. Yes, you're right. It is. It, and when you say team, not just players. Yeah. Jamie, I've heard you talk about this with hockey and fundamentals. It's the same deal in baseball. If you're going to play defense, it's a mindset. It's, it's, it's more fun. I heard you talk about this in the opening drive yesterday. It's more fun to hit home runs. It's more fun to score goals. It's more fun to score touchdowns. Defense is a, menta is, is a mentality. Mm -hmm. When you're out there playing baseball and you are on defense constantly, ball hit to me, where am I going with it? Now there's your runner at first. Ball hit to me, where am I going with it? Ball hitting the gap, where am I going with it? Ball hit right at me, where am I going with it? Where am I going with it? Over and over and over again. It's a mentality. It's not fun, but it's part of the game, and it's a damn important part of it. So last well, night... What cost him a game last night? Exactly. I don't care who the player... I know We might get texts. You know, it's the guys that I probably ain't going to play next year. I don't care. It's still happening. Yeah, but it's a that's a microcosm of what you had all season. If it, if this was just one isolated incident, I wouldn't be as passionate about it. We've seen to your point, we've seen this. All right, Matt Holiday is going to join us next. I want to talk to him about kind of the fundamentals. How much is the how much at the major league level is is it about developmental stuff, day to day fundamentals, work on the fundamentals? How much is it? Well, I ask Matt Holiday that next when he joins us here in the fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now batting for the Fast Lane, Cardinals Hall of Famer and fifth member, Matt Holiday. We're hanging with Holiday on 101 ESPN. Powered by Air Alliance Team Heating and Cooling. Getting the job done quickly, correctly, 100% of the time. 
1019 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Salter, let's head to our celebrity line. We're joined by our guy, Matt Holiday, Cardinals Hall of Famer, World Series champion, all-around great guy. What's up, Matt? Hey, guys. How we doing? Doing great. And I know uh, Salter's been around since 1979-1980-1981-1982-1983-1984-1985-1986-1987-1988-1989-1990-1991-1992-1993-1994-1995-1996-1997-1998-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1999-1
Matt Holliday joining us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Matt, we just had a conversation about the Cardinals team defense, which was shaky last night. And defensively, it's been an issue uh, throughout the course of the year. My question is, when when take us behind the curtain a little bit. How much do you guys work on fundamentals throughout the season at the big league level? Or is it a situation where once you guys get up there, yeah, you kind of run through drills every day, but there's not as much focus on the fundamentals, specifically defense? Well, I think a lot of it's done in spring training as far as sort of the the bunt plays and the techniques on what you're going to do in certain situations. And then I think most of, most defense is done on a day-to-day uh, sort of guy-to-guy basis as far as, you know, what you do what you need. Um, if you need to make some throws, we went out a lot early with Dave McKay and uh, we would go out on the field and at you know, two o'clock and, and we would work on some things as a group of outfielders, or you could do it individually. Um, and, you know, I, I know that the infielders, they take ground balls a lot of times before batting practice even starts. Um, so I, I think it's, you're expected to, to know the fundamentals when you get to the major leagues. But I, I think that the sharpening and the consistency of them, um, you know, you, you pick and choose your spots. Obviously, if you're an everyday player and it's hot in the middle of July, you can't go out there for an hour and, and work on your defense and, and, you know, really. So, you know, having a, a routine where for, you know, 15 minutes a day uh, you're really working on your craft on defense, um, I, I think is, is what I saw and, and I tried to do. And, I you know, I, I see Nolan, you know, that's what Nolan, I watch him take ground balls. He's got this specific routine that he, you know, he, he maybe you know, changes it a little bit here and there just from a timing standpoint, but. You know, he's got certain throws he works on, and he's got certain things. and So I think from a fundamental side, just in general, it's your responsibility to, to work on your, your craft individually. But um, once the season starts, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, you're playing almost every day. It falls on you to, to find your routine um, to, to make sure you stay sharp with that. Hey, Matt, how much, uh, how often, rather, are defensive situations discussed with the players and the coaching staff? And, you know, how often is video used? Because we had a situation yeah. last night. I don't know if you caught the, the, the ending of the Cardinals game. With three younger players making uh, consistent mistakes. It cost the team a run. And it was, you know, just basically recognition of the situation and then making the play. I just wonder how much, how much situational baseball is discussed. You know, Jamie, most of that happens in spring training. Like every day you have a team fundamental. And a lot of times there's video brought into it and say, hey, here's here's the video, here's the play, this is what we want to do, and uh, this is what it looks like when it's done right, this is what it looks like when it's screwed up. Um, so, there, there, it's like I said, it's, it's mostly talked about and really gone over uh, five or six different days in spring training, so they kind of rotate. You have uh, five or six scenarios or, or – defensive fundamentals, team fundamentals, we call them, um, and spring training that you, you rotate them through. Uh, and every day you have where you go through that, that team fundamental, whether it's first and thirds or bunt defenses or pickoffs or, um, you know, cuts and relays. And, and you really, you know, you make sure that everybody's on the same page. And, and then a lot of times in spring training you have all the 40-man roster and then some. So you, you, you make sure that, that – you know, even the guys that aren't going to initially be on the big league team are learning the strategy and, and learning the, the, the plays and, and, you know, just making sure everybody's on the same page of, of how you run them and the signs and everything that goes into it. So, a lot, like I said, a lot of that's done to spring training. 
Um, I don't know. I, I didn't get a chance to watch last night's game. I was at Jackson's game. But um, sometimes when you have younger players, you know, late in the season, maybe they weren't with the team in spring training or, um, you know, just younger players, sometimes the game gets sped up on them a little bit and, and at the major league level and you make mistakes or, you know, they're, they haven't obviously experienced as much as veteran players and that kind of thing can happen. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that, like I said, a lot of that goes on in spring training. Matt Holliday joining us right now on the fast line on 101 ESPN. A couple more things for the Cardinals Hall of Famer. Matt, uh, this has popped up a couple of times, and I don't know why I hadn't thought of asking you since you played left field. But for me, when I when I was in you know high school and college, I always wanted to play left if I was going to play the outfield. I, for whatever reason, when the ball came off the uh, the bat of a right-hander when I was in right field, I hated how it faded to the line. I don't know. It, just, it was just one of those things. I wasn't comfortable in right. With Jordan yeah. Walker – you know they've got him playing right a lot, and I imagine it's because of the arm. But, but would what about you? What when you played in the outfields, were you more comfortable in left as opposed to right with the number of right-handers that are in there in the league? And why do you think they got him in right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that um, I, I, you know, I kind of, I, they put me in left and kind of just, you know obviously wanted me to, to, to hit and play, be comfortable in one spot. And uh, so I only played right a few times. Uh, I think I started in right field in two all-star games, but nice. um, I, I, I think Anthony, you're going to get the tail obviously from a, from a right-hand hitter in right field, but you're going to get it from the left, left-hand hitter in left field. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think it's all about repetitions. I think uh, maybe right field, like you said, because he does have an incredible arm. Um, I don't think that, you know, particularly at Bush Stadium, there's not an easier one or the other, you know, where, like, say, you know, he was, he was Fenway Park or, you know, some of these places that have a – or Pittsburgh and right field where, you know, there's just not as much ground to cover. And it's, yeah. and it's you know, it's just, hey, you know, put him put him in left field just because, you know, we feel like we have maybe some, some more experienced uh, outfield athletes and, and do we can put in, in, in the bigger space. Uh, so really, I, I think you know with the Cardinals and, and Bush Stadium, it doesn't really matter um, as far as what advantage goes on 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 outfield covering ground. But um, I don't know. Maybe they've asked him as his his preference um, now that he's he's had a chance to to maybe play a little bit in both um, and and want him to be wherever he's most comfortable. Uh, but I do think that that arm is is uh, is, is obviously very strong and, and plays you know profiles as a right fielder. Um, so I think that that's something that, you know, is, is exciting to think about is, is him getting a full off season of, of really dedicating, you know, the off season to, to getting comfortable and starting to really read balls in one position. And, and, uh, I'm sure the Cardinals are on top of that. Matt, great stuff. Love the perspective. Again, congratulations to Jackson on earning the Baseball America's minor league player of the year. And uh, it's, it's going to be fun to continue to watch him grow. And I, I know you're excited as well, but thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. All right, yeah, too. Good talking to you guys. All right, thanks. Hey, buddy. That, that's Matt Holiday here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So I, much great stuff always. He's great. <laughs> he is. And and it, the the thing that really stuck out, Jamie, and I've made the this comment before, and I've almost kind of backtracked at times because I'm like, well, you should always be kind of learning. But he had said it. He goes, when you're at the big league level, you're expected to know certain fundamentals. Yeah. He didn't say you don't you don't work on it anymore, but you are expected yeah, to know. I get it cuz there's certain things in hockey like you just you should know, but I I'll flip this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also blame the coaching staff for that attitude as well. 
make sure he knows. Yeah, true. What, what yeah, if he doesn't, what yeah, he's got to know. In the fast lane, trust, but verify, but verify. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I. I don't know how it works in the clubhouse or the inner workings of Major League Baseball teams. But to me, it should always be constant reminders, constant reminders, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with your young guys, especially if you've got some like Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, Mason Wynn. You have a lot of guys that are new to the majors and you have some guys that are fringe players, utility players. Well, utility players, as great as they are and as valuable as they are, they have to know more about fundamental baseball than anybody because they're always playing a different position. Sure. So, and I know the baseball season is uh, very unforgiving for coaching yeah. because you don't have a lot of time to no. do No. This also I, it raises the question of, okay, what's going on in the minors? Because that is the developmental time. Yeah, it's true. You but know? you know what, Anthony? Sometimes I say this, that the minor leagues, what happens is those guys are so good at that level, things get overlooked sometimes. It's not the manager or the coach's fault. It just happens. Well, don't overlook it's it. It's the nature of the beast mm-hmm. that those coaches want to win too. And sometimes you'll overlook things and allow players to do certain things or get away with certain things or just assume that they know what's going on because you're winning and that's your best player. And, uh, you know, right. this is why the best developmental teams and coaches are not necessarily teams that win. They're, they're coaches and teams that are willing to sacrifice winning to develop the player. So when the player moves up to the big leagues or to the NHL, he's ready to go. That's a great point. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. What direction is the game of hockey going in? Marsh and Jamie has some, best. Has some sh- had some uh, <laughs> interesting thoughts on a, a situation that happened last night in the National Hockey League. And we'll apply that to the Blues next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Probably the last time I'll ever play against that guy. Uh, not really much of a player, so uh, leave it at that. I think I scared him a little, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> no, I honestly I was looking around for you know some of their talented players and trying to run at them, and he was the only, really the only one. So uh, it's unfortunate you're playing against uh, you know a team like that. They're trying to make a name for themselves. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers, oh, Anthony bag. Stalter. That's your guy. Scumbag. Matt Stone. Or not Matt Stone. Mark, Mark Stone. Stone. Doesn't matter. Who cares? 
We'll get his name right when we so start did to you like see him. that play last yes night? yes so for those who are listening who haven't seen it you can pull it up anywhere on social media last night there was a player for the la kings who's just out there he's for lack of better words he's a he's not a household name yeah he's and trying to make himself a name tr- well he's trying to make the freaking team yeah he's going hard yeah imagine that going hard to make a team boy All right, let's let's scold him for that so he runs over Mark Stone, and then the melee ensues, which it should, when a no-name player, for lack of better words, I'm not disrespecting the player, runs over your captain and Stanley Cup champion, you should beat the snot out of him. Yeah. And they did. Four or five guys jumped him, and they did the old barroom stomp on this guy. And big deal. Yeah. All right. It happened. And Mark Stone goes on with the media and says, a guy that I'll probably never play against again. You know, he's not a very good player. Is exactly. Mm. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? What if this guy gets called up first week of the season? Now what? Now you look like an idiot. And if I was that guy, I'd be like, listen, I know I'm not good, okay? I know I'm not good. I know I can't play on your team. But Rob Blake, who's their GM, I ask you one favor. Call me up. For the very first game against the Vegas Golden Knights. I only want one game. If you've ever had a favor in your arsenal, give me that game. And I would go right after Mark Stone (laughs) immediately. You remember me? I'm I'm back. back. (laughs) Like, I just don't get that. Like, the shade of, like, who are you? That that whole chirp. I, I never got it. Because everybody at some point is a who are you. Like Mark Stone when he broke into the league with Otto. Who are you? Like, what the hell have you done? Yeah. Nothing. So I, I don't like the chirp. If you're going to get all pissy about something, attack the guy in a different way. Not like he won't be in the NHL. He's not my qual- not my caliber of player, mm-hmm. all that crap. Why? Guys in the NHL right now fighting for a job. Yeah. Say something clever. Well, he said, Say, yeah, he got his beat down. If he comes near me again, the same crap's going to happen. In the same, <laughs> In the same scrum, Stone said... Uh, I was looking for I was looking for a good player and found him. I was I, when I got well, up. Because I was looking he grabbed some player. other little guy that never even fights in his life and shook him around a little bit. It was I, a clean hit too. It was a clean hit, but I don't mind him going after the talented guy because honestly, that's what I did sometimes. Mm-hmm. Their heavyweight would be he's <laughs> out of my weight class a little bit. Well, guess what? Mike Medano's about to get an elbow in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Because he then Mike Medano will be running around scared, and then this Neanderthal is going to chase me around all night. I'm right. winning at that point, so I, I don't disrespect that part of it. But it does show. I'll tell you what has happened. You watch the NHL right now. Watch the preseason. It's physical. Dude, let the bodies hit the floor. (laughs) There is physicality. There's fights in every single freaking game right now. I don't know what the hell is happening, but I like it. Well, what is the direction? Do you think that this this is just something that it started off small and now other teams maybe are watching some of the action and they they want to get on it too? Is this like a trend? I mean, how do you... Or it's just coincidence. It's just early on, and guys yeah. are, I don't know, they're, they're, they're starting with some urgency. It's not coincidence, because the last couple of years, training camp, you look at preseason games, were friggin' sleep fest. Nobody wanted to run into anybody. They're all best friends, tapping each other on the shin pads. Say, I'll catch you later. Like the NBA. It, not, it wasn't the way it needed to be. I think what's happened is general managers and coaches have looked at the formula that has won Stanley Cups in the last handful of years. And it's been nasty the tampa bay lightning is so skilled as they are they had some nastiness in 
in their lineup. They had the big rig. They had Zach Bogosian. They had McDonough. Like, they had some guys that can bring some, some heat. And then you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, no real heavyweights as far as, like, fighting is concerned, but they ran over everybody. Mm-hmm. So the theme now for me, and look at the Blues. How about this? I was telling Marshy, the Blues might be ahead of the curve here right now. Because what they did in their retool is they added a whole bunch of size and physicality to their lineup. So we talk about the zig when everybody else is zagging. This might be that, uh, that this might be that moment where Army has kind of figured out the recipe here and gotten ahead of it. Now, does it mean they're going to win the Stanley Cup? No, I still think they have some ways to go. You know, anything's possible. But mm-hmm. my point is that the physicality is coming back to the NHL. The skilled guys are still there. The skilled guys are six foot one, six foot two now. And the physical guys are the same way. A lot of your skilled guys are your physicality. Look at the Kachuk boys. Look at Wilson. Look at some of these guys that are running around out there that are super skilled, but are also super physical. Yeah. So I like the way the Blues have constructed their roster so far. It's to be determined who ultimately ends up here. But you look at every single line. You know, the top line with Booch, Thomas, and Cairo, they're obviously not that physical. Booch is a little more physical than people give him credit for. Hell, he's not afraid to headbutt you if you get in his way. Mm-hmm. We saw that. Kind of like that. <laughs> he can play on my team. <laughs> but then the second, third, fourth line, and then your extra forwards, those are all guys that are willing to mix it up. Neighbors, Shen. Saad's not a fighter. He'll get in and hit. Uh, Sammy Blay, Oscar Sundquist, Nick Ritchie, McEachern, Walker, Torpchenko. All of these guys are a pain in the ass to play against, and they're physical and they're starting to bring that brand of hockey back. So I like, after watching the preseason so far, and certainly watching the amount of scrums slash fights and things that are going on, I think the Blues are going to be even better in this new NHL, in this environment, because they've got the they've got the horses to compete. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I, I love, absolutely love it. I love the direction. Anthony, I can't wait to be calling <laughs> these games. It's perfect, though. It's almost like they knew... You know, hey, with Jamie Rivers back, Army and Chief got together and they said, "How can we make sure that Riv is engaged for every game?" Yeah, like not that I'm not dialed in all the time, but they want me really dialed in. Yeah, they said, "Let's bring in some physicality." I can see it. I can see Army calling in Chief, and I mean, really everybody in the building. You know, marketing, PR, everything. They brought them all in. Yeah, Yeah. Tom Stillman. They. They sat everybody, you know, the Army sat everything, sat everybody down. I'm, and I'm just visioning this. Big, huge conference room. And he had a, yeah, and, and on the wall, uh-huh. you know, there was, it was just, it was just the whiteboard and that was it. But then he pulled down the screen. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm envisioning it. And he fires it up and he's mm-hmm. like, this, these are our goals. This seat, welcome to the 2023, 20, 24 Blues. Here's our goals. And it's just one. One. Make Jamie Rivers proud. Yeah. That's all it said. Getting teary-eyed. Make Jamie Rivers proud. Yeah. I love these guys. And I, an Army just, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. I want your ideas. And then the ideas started rolling. Yeah. And somebody at some point, probably Chief, said, why don't we bust skulls? And I think Army goes, yep. I think it was Otter, actually. Maybe Steve Ott. Yeah. Because yeah, Chief is a little more reserved now in his, his yeah. uh, old age. Not well, that he's old, but, you know, he's, he's won a, a cup now. He's more uh, grizzled veteran. Yeah. You know, he's been there. He's calmer that. now. He's fought 4,000 people in his life. Like, sure. he's fine. Yeah. But Otter, Otter's always chomping at the bit, mm-hmm. chirping people, giving to people, playing against that guy. Boy, he was a pain in the ass, too. Love to have him on your team. I uh, love to have him on my team. Absolutely hated his guts to play against him. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Chief, you played against him, too. 
He's a rat out there. <laughs> but he was effective. Mm-hmm. Had a great career, a great guy. But I think he's the guy to say, hey, let's go. Let's get a little burn in our saddle here, boys. That's Jamie Rivers. Former Blues defenseman, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. If you want to participate in the show, we'd love to have you. 314-399-9646 is the Aircomer Service tax line. Anything we're discussing today, send in text, leave us mic drops. If you want to watch us on the YouTube channel, it's at 101 ESPN SDL. we got a chat room there, too. If you want to uh, ask a question or leave a comment there, fantastic, man. We love the participation throughout the course of the show. Thursday night football, you got Lions, Packers. And while it's a big game for both sides, I think in some respects it's monumental for one side. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. Let's go, boys. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight, you got the NFC North matchup between the Lions and the Packers. 7-15 kickoff. It uh, kicks off week four in the NFL with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. This is, a, for obvious reasons, a, bit, a big game for both teams. The Minnesota Vikings sitting there at 0-3 and the Bears at 0-3. Uh, they're, they're, they've kind of dug a large hole to dig out of. The Bears aren't good enough. We'll see if the Vikings are. But for all intents and purposes, this, this is going to be the matchup. And this is going to be the two teams that decide, not the matchup, but the two teams that decide the NFC North. Big game for both sides. Slow down now. (laughs) We still have 15 weeks left. Yeah, you're right, Marshy. Vikings are lying in the weeds. They are. Big game for both sides. I think this is monumental for the Lions. I think this is just as big, if not bigger, than going into Kansas City on week one. You You beat the Packers last year, so it's kind of a revenge spot for Green Bay. You showed that you can win there, but this is still the Lions. This is a team. This is a team historically Careful. that has not lived up to the hype when the when they've had their their small opportunities to. If you're the Lions, this is huge. So you just played on Sunday. You had a rebound. You know, you rebounded from the, the the loss to Seattle. You took care of business against Atlanta. Defensively, you have looked very strong. Save for the Seattle game. But yeah. This is also a matchup that that really suits you. Jared Goff is a zone killer. Green Bay, almost exclusively zone team. This is a matchup that Jared Goff should be able to pick you apart. But does he go into Lambeau? Does he start to make mistakes? Do the Lions hang around in the fourth quarter and then Jordan Love stages a comeback like he did against the Saints? This one's fascinating to me tonight. Yeah, it is. I guess I'm worried about the the unknown. And the unknown is still Jordan Love. Like, as a Lions fan, yeah. I'm worried about the unknown. Like, what version of Jordan Love are you going to get? Are you going to get the one where there have been several plays where you're like, woof, that's a rookie. <laughs> Whoops. But then there's also other plays like, god damn, this guy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So which one can you, which one will happen more? In, in this game. And I think the Lions have to be the ones to try and force their hand or Green Bay's hand into making him make bad decisions, making it a difficult night for him. I don't know if this Lions defense is there yet to make a, a night miserable for a quarterback. Well, they got some guys out again. They've gotten better defensively, but I don't think they're there yet to be like, we better be careful. This mm-hmm. defense is pretty ferocious. 
So they're going to have to do it on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jared Goff, he just continues to kind of fly under the radar as far as like nationally. He's Jared Goff. You know, it's like everybody's, yeah, you know, but then he's putting up really good numbers. He needs to have a good game. Mm -hmm. He needs to have a big game. Yeah, th- you're right. He's got to go. He's got to go into Lambeau and almost kind of make a statement. Well, he's got to he's got to go in and absolutely prove that he's a better quarterback than Jordan Love. Yes, because and if he is tonight, they'll win the game. This is this is more than just beating Green Bay, a divisional rival. It is the rival. It is the it is the team you're battling in the division. And don't you want to be more than just the team that everybody fell in love with last year and followed during the offseason and hyped up during the summer don't you want to be more than that if you do go into lambo on a short week and make a statement I, you don't have to blow them out or anything that's that's not that's just what i'm win. saying i'm fine with that play a solid win, game baby. win and then you start to then you start to build a little momentum okay let's talk about the lions now in the nfc they they still don't compare to philly or san francisco but you win tonight. Are you the third best team in the NFC with the way Dallas stubbed their toe last week? You know, I, that to me, I think that's where the conversation. Well, with the win over the Chiefs, it kind of puts them right in that category. Well, it did. And then they lost to I Seattle. Oh, they pissed it away. I know. And But they did very Lions esque things. Stop with that. Those are the old Lions. That's the non Dan Campbell Lions. Stop that. Jamie. Stop it. You and I both lived no. in Detroit. We know, yeah. we know the narrative. Was Dan Campbell the coach? No, he wasn't. Yeah, see? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Stop putting that bad juju on your hometown. Okay. They weren't, they weren't that bad when Jim Caldwell was there. They they were they were better with Jim Caldwell than they were with Matt Patricia. For sure. Um, and that is, I mean, and the only reason I bring that up is they fired Jim Caldwell. Which I don't think they should have done Matt that. Patricia. They should have never done that. They were looking for more, like, I get it. excitement, I guess. Jim Caldwell's, but he's steady Eddie. Mm-hmm. Jamie, you mentioned the unknown about Jordan Love. Jordan Love, last week, helps the team. They come back against the Saints. They win. They go 2-1. and one. However, he has the second-worst completion percentage in the entire NFL at 53.1%. He's only better than Zach Wilson. Not saying much, but he's worse than a hobble Joe Burrow and Justin Fields. What? Second worst completion percentage well, in Justin the NFL. Justin Fields, in fairness, has only passed the ball seven times this year. That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. But mine might be a little off on that. Yeah, you're Feels about like uh, it. 44 yeah. off. Is that guy open? Hell yeah. with it. I'm, I'm going. Running. <laughs> but. For the Packers to win this game, what do they have to do? Do they have to rely on Jordan Love, or do they need to establish a run game? I think with Aaron Jones back, the offense now has an identity again. Mm-hmm. Let's let's keep in mind, when they ran, and I know it's a bad team, when they hung 37 on the board against Chicago and everybody's talking about them, yes, they were playing a bad defense. They had Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. They had Aaron Jones. A.J. Uh, AJ Dillon is... A solid running back. That offense has looked different. That rushing attack has looked much different with him as the lead back the last two weeks. And it did last year, too. It did. You got Aaron Jones back. Christian Watson is supposed to play now tonight. And we'll see. see, He's got a hamstring that can always flare up at any point. But I think that with with Aaron Aaron Jones and that running game, let's keep in mind, Matt LaFleur, his system is about play action. Mm -hmm. It is establishing the run 
or at least the threat of the run. And when the defense starts to worry about giving up four, five, six yards a pop, linebackers start to cheat a little bit. That's when you go play action and you can strike down the field. I'm less concerned about the the, com- the completion percentage mm-hmm. as for, for now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this offense opens up with Aaron Jones back, and he's a hell of a pass catcher too. So for the Lions to be successful tonight, what do they have to do? Like, I, what, what are they? Obviously, they got to stop the run. They yes. Got to do the, slow, and they did let's, last how about week. this? Slow down the run because obviously they're not going to be able to stop it. But mm. slow down the run. But then, from an offensive standpoint, like, are we sure? Are we positive that Green Bay is going to be a zone team automatic, or do they do the Bill Belichick and all of a sudden they're man to man all night? That's a great question, Jamie. So I think some teams and Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator for Green Bay, I think he falls into this category. Some teams don't change a damn thing. We're a zone, that be a huge we're a zone team. It would be, in my opinion, every team should be Bel- a Belichick team where you're you're it's matchup specific. But some some coaches just believe no, this is what we do. This is the identity. This is the players we have. We're going to play zone. I can't ask corners that, that aren't man to man corners to play man to man. So it's it really comes down to personnel and coaching philosophy. Green Bay is a team I think just plays zone. So so if, if that's you're, the case then. The Lions should have a pretty damn good offensive game plan to pick it apart. Here's the blueprint for the Lions. Short passes that take up a lot of time. Ball control. You know, short passes are an extension of the running game. Yeah. Fig- figure out how to get Jamar Gibbs on the field. How about that? I mean, you, you drafted him 13th overall. You might as well play him. David Montgomery is going to, I guess, is going to play tonight, but who mm, cares? I hope so. I short, care. Short passes. <laughs> Short pass, ball control, <laughs> and start to squeeze Green Bay sidelines. Because if I'm Matt Lafleur, I want to run the ball, and if I start to get behind, yeah, throw it then. I'm gonna, I, I might get a little impatient, yeah, and that that screws screws up my rhythm offensively. Now there's more on Jordan Love. Now Hutchinson is getting after Jordan Love, and as that's long as the he's game. not being held. As long as he's not being held, and David Bakhtiari is not playing again tonight. Shocker. Bakhtiari is. Very good. He was. He's had some good games against Hutchinson. I think he might be out for the season. Yeah, he's been. He's I got a turf something. toe or something. He's banged up. Whatever it is. That's but, why he doesn't like the turf. Said, yeah, uh, there you go. But Hutchinson. It's not clear if he'll be back to return to play this season. Not good for them. Yeah, that's your left tackle. But Hutchinson could get after him tonight. All right, interesting game. We'll uh, we'll have our our thoughts on that tomorrow. NHL Central Division preview. We continue. With the team, the Blues have had some pretty good success against, but how do they stack up to the Minnesota Wild? Jamie will tell you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Through your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been previewing the NHL Central Division and going team by team, looking at how they stack up to the St. Louis Blues. If you missed any of those, you can always download the podcast. Uh, just find it at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app. All brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Today, the Minnesota the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Wilds. Get the football in the head. Yeah, the brain there. Um, the Minnesota Wild, yeah. Jamie. This is a team that I feel, outside of the one playoff series where Mike Yo uh, stacked the house on them and wound up winning winning a playoff series mm-hmm. against them, 
I feel like the Blues have had very good success against the Wilds. Even though the matchups are fairly even, the the Blues have, have done a nice job against them. But now Minnesota, they got the hometown hero. I'm a little concerned about that. I mean, isn't that a guaranteed Stanley Cup? Pretty much. I think that's what Bill Guerin thought, too. Yeah, Billy I don't G blame him. probably said, how do I get a Stanley Cup? I know yeah. I don't need to sign Connor McDavid. No. I don't need to trade for Leon Dreisaitl. Go right to the, the lightning for Maroon. Get me the big rig yeah. now. So even though they've got the hometown hero, baby, um, this wild team, they finished third last year in the Central, 103 points, a pretty good season. Lost round one to the Stars, though. What Did they, did they address their biggest weakness in the offseason? Um, this is a team that's – so it, Bill Guerin's got his hands full. He made a couple of really, really, really difficult decisions in his tenure. He basically walked in and bought out the franchise, Mm. meaning they had long-term contracts to Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Bought them out. And by doing so, he's had a cap hit, dead cap space, for the last couple of seasons. And this year here, he still has 7.5. Three for each guy, $14.7 million of dead cap space. Oof. 14.7 next year, then it goes down to 1.6. So Bill Guerin's got two more years of cap hell because of a decision he made. But I think it was the right decision. Zach Parise was no longer the player he needed to be. And from my understanding, Ryan Suter wasn't that well liked mm. and, and thought he was way better than he was, wanted to command more ice time, all this stuff, and he wasn't afraid to march into the coach's office and talk about it. So Bill Guerin got there and said, I think we're going to change things here a little bit. I think you can go now. Yeah, but the team has suffered on the cap side of things because of the $14 million in dead cap space. And as it sits right now, they only have 43000 in projected cap space. So imagine what $14 million could get you. The Wild are still a really good team. Billy Guerin and his, his group of scouts and staff have done a really good job of putting together a solid team that doesn't really have too many top-end guys. The top-end guy that everybody talks about is Kirill Kaprizov. This guy's a monster. He's a monster. He's fast. He's strong. He's got a great shot. He's competitive. All of these things. 75 points in 67 games last year. You know, every time we play the Wild, you circle him. Who the hell is going to shut this guy down? Who's going to be able to stop this guy from scoring? He is the team offensively. Matt Zuccarello is right there at 67 points in 78 games, but Zuccarello is not a game breaker. Mm. He's a very efficient passer, uh, good puck possession guy. He's not an extremely fast player, high hockey IQ but you can handle that guy. Matt Boldy's a good young player that they have as well. He had 63 points in 81 games last year. But again, he hasn't hit that superstar or even star status yet. He's had a good career so far, 31 goals last year, which is fantastic. But after that, man, there is a drop-off. There's a massive drop-off to where you've got, you go from 61 points down to 38 is the next guy. But they've got some gritty players. Spurgeon, Hartman, Foligno, they got Marcus Johansson. They've got guys who are going to muck it up out there. A lot like the St. Louis Blues when it comes to that uh, respect of things. 
On the defensive side, Jared Spurgeon, their captain, he kind of headlines this this back end, which isn't a very sexy defensive core. You got Spurgeon, you got Jonas Brodeen, Middleton, Goligowski, John Merrill. These are just like three, four defensemen. Mm-hmm. Jared Spurgeon's probably a number two defenseman somewhere. So it's kind of like the Cardinals rotation. Where you got a bunch of guys, but you don't have the high end right. guys. So they're battling there. And Philip Gustafson in net is a solid young goaltender. And of course, his backup slash partner is Marc Andre Fleury. So the Minnesota Wild, I think, are going to take some steps backwards this year. The reason that is, is I think other teams in this division have taken, will take steps forward. One of those teams, St. Louis Blues. I think the Blues will be better than the Wild this year overall. I think the Nashville Predators will challenge them. I think the Jets will be better than the Wild this year. They just don't have enough. And with that dead cap space, Billy Guerin just hasn't been able to add players that are difference makers. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough one. And uh, if you break it down from position to position on this one, the Blues have a better team. Top to bottom. They have better forwards. Top to bottom. They got a better defensive core. And they got better goaltending. Now the difference is, you know, can they do that? Consistently, can they outplay a team like the Wild? Because the Wild, what they do have is a lot of really hard workers that are going to challenge you. And with the addition of a guy like Pat Maroon into that locker room, we joke about it, right? It's always in jest, but it isn't. Yeah. Because everywhere he's gone, he's been able to help that team. Even at a young age in Anaheim, he goes to Anaheim and plays with Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, who the hell is this Pat Maroon guy? Well, then the Edmonton Oilers get him, and he plays with Connor McDavid. Oh, he's too slow to play with McDavid. Really? Play with him. Played pretty damn good, too. And Connor McDavid got confidence and was protected out there. We know what he did when he came here. What he did with the Lightning. So he's not the the end-all, be-all to fix this problem. But what he's going to do is he's going to get this team to be a tight-knit group and play hard for each other. And that's what they're going to have to be. If they're not a team that plays hard together and plays as a team, they're screwed. A lot like the Blues in that respect. Although the Blues have a lot more high-end players compared to the Wild. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Saltz with 310. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you got a question for us, 314-399-9646 is the Air Conference Service tax line. Send in a text right now because we've got our Sports 6 back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter, and here's Andrew Marsh with your questions for the sports six pack. Question number one. All right, gentlemen, from the 314, which star made the biggest impact on American sports this year? Was it Lionel Messi, Coach Prime, or Taylor Swift? (laughs) Wow. Well, I think as far as popularity, it's got to be Taylor Swift. There's people that are in London, England, talking about Taylor Swift watching a Chiefs game. They're not talking about Colorado Buffaloes. There's people in Australia talking about Taylor Swift. So her global popularity, obviously, that just eclipses everything else. Mm-hmm. That, that threw me a little for a curveball adding that one in there, Marshy. What or if we whoever just, did. 
What if we just localized it to America? Still. Still. I mean, people are talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, but Anthony, sports people are. 16-year-old girls, 13-year-old girls are talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. They're talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. They're talking like- about buying Chiefs jerseys. 400% increase in jersey sales. I like to think that they're also thinking about Prime. How about we just take Taylor Swift off the board? Okay. And look at it from a different way because that, like I said, that's almost an unfair advantage. All right. So has there anybody then that that has topped Deion Sanders no. at Colorado? No. I mean, look at this week. Uh, you They're going to USC. USC. And the list of celebrities that are lined up to be there is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg, Will Ferrell, LeBron James. Like, it's just nonstop. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that way the whole season. At every Colorado Buffaloes game, you're going to have a list of celebrities no matter where they're playing. And that's the Dion effect mm-hmm. right now. Do you remember, and Marsh, maybe you, this was before your time, but they've. I think they've done, I think ESPN did a documentary on it. Do you remember the 91 Falcons under Jerry Glanville? Oh, God, yeah. All in black. It's it reminds me of this. Because they had Evander Holyfields, they had MC Hammer on the side. Like they had all these celebrities each and every week on the sidelines. Now that team eventually lost in the playoffs. They didn't win anything big either. But everybody's talking about them. Guys, <laughs> can we address something here on the text line? Sure. Uh oh. We have a couple of texters that must be soccer fans. And I applaud you. Lionel Messi. D- <sighs> I get from this 314, wrong, Jamie. Messi has a far greater global footprint than Taylor Swift. <laughs> he, he does have a global footprint. I don't think there's any doubt about let's it. Let's go to the Instagram followers. Okay. Give me a second. There's no way. I know Messi's... A, I'm not disputing that he could be the the second or He's third. in the picture for like, sure. So but. does Ronaldo. Ronaldo has a massive following too. No, he's not in the picture. Anthony, I don't think anybody understands the footprint that Taylor Swift has on everything. Ah, Lionel Messi has 488 million followers on Instagram. Now, Instagram is, we're just using it. That's not our barometer. Well, we're using it for right now. Taylor Swift, if you had to guess, how many do you think she has? 488 is Messi. uh, 300. 378 million. 273 million. Messi wins. Well, Tax line's right. Instagram. Tax line's right. Everyone That's, uses Instagram. Right now, Taylor Swift, anything she does, whatever product it is, goes through the roof. Goes through the roof. People in Russia know who Taylor Swift is. They're singing her songs. Take, you could say the same thing about Messi, though. Hey, I'm just telling check you. Instacart. Instacart? Who's got more followers on Instacart? I think Anthony Stalter does. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, go to uh, go to the book. The book. Yeah. I don't go on the book anymore. Okay. Still go. Just I'll, I'll just check it out. I, gotta, I just want to do I the research. Know I know my password. I just want to do the research. Okay. All right. Uh, by the way, I saw a TikTok trend going on where girlfriends would go up to their boyfriends or wives and husbands and say. It's crazy that Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map. 
Oh yeah, I saw one and of these. Then you get the reaction of the yeah. guy saying, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, he's the best tight end of the league. <laughs> I, I He'll saw, be a Hall of Famer in five years if he retired right now. I saw one. I saw one of them. It was a sol- It was a. Uh, it was a, a soldier, and he yes. sits down. He's taking off his. You know, he's taking off his combat boots, and he's he just he looks at his wife or his girlfriend, whoever he's talking to, and he and he go, he goes. I can't believe the nonsense that's coming out of your mouth right now. <laughs> he said something like, I don't want you, I don't want any of that coming over here. Yeah. As he like walks down the hallway. None of that nonsense is being brought over here. That was pretty funny. I thought it was a good time. Is she, I mean, like, I get she's popular. I is she like oh I probably shouldn't do this. Who's that? Is she overly understand what I'm saying here? I'm not talking about popularity. Okay. I realize she is immensely popular. You're saying she's overrated? I'm not saying that. I'm asking, is she overly talented? I mean, like a natural talent. You know, like Whitney Houston All right, she could was be, a natural talent. Uh, she's one Adele, of the most, a natural talent. She's one of the most talented people in music. She writes all of her own songs, her own music, all that stuff. Singing, though. Singing is all her. Yeah. But I mean, like, can she actually yeah. sing? I, I'm not you a You know Swifty. what I'm asking? I'm not a Swifty. I'm telling you right now, just... Go out there into the music world and have them like it, go down the hall and ask anybody in Music Row here. She can sing. Okay. She's flat out right. a star. Right. She has a few bops. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a Swifty either. I'm not at all. My daughter listens to it nonstop. My older daughter, my girlfriend, loves it all. So I'm forced to hear it. But here's where I here's where I go with it is as I hear it, I'm annoyed for the first while. And then there's songs where I'm like, I like that song. Actually, I hate to admit this, but play that other song. <laughs> What's the one where she's talking about the uh, the uh, ex-boyfriend? Oh, that, Play that one. I get the breakdown from my youngest all the time. You know, because they all, they're all like, screw you, John Mayer. Because he like, you know, mm. dated her when she was like 19. And apparently he was mean to her or whatever. What? Not mean. They didn't work out or he cheated on her or something. Uh-huh. And I, I always look back and go, well, Thank God for John Mayer. We wouldn't have had our first album. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Detroit, I almost got stabbed multiple times with a broken beer bottle. I used to do that with Eminem. I used to. Oh, thank God for Kim, huh? Or else we wouldn't have that song. <laughs> oh my! People, people used to get people. People used to get pretty ticked off. Mm. Awesome. This one's about Kim, huh? This uh, this song. Another one. Okay, that's nice. She um, apparently she writes songs for other artists as well. Okay. Plays every instrument. Right. So I'm just. This again, is the I'm text just, line. I'm just. I'm. I was. You know where I'm coming from, right? I don't, I because can't some you, you called her Millie Vanilli is basically what you I tried to didn't. call her. I didn't. I was asking a question. There are some musical artists that might be popular, but the talent level it does not match the popularity. So I was simply asking a question from somebody, you, Jamie, that loves the Swift. Some some people are so up up at arms right now. Why? Three one four, Jamie, please. Taylor Swift is practically nobody. I base absolutely zero percent of my life. I don't base anything on my life on Taylor Swift either. What the? Where the hell are we going here? Like, what are we doing? We're talking about her popularity and that she's generated sales for the Chiefs and all this. I can't, Anthony, I can't go another minute today if we don't resolve this Taylor Swift thing. I think we're good. Come on. Question number two. All right, let's talk about the Cardinals again, huh? Yeah? 
We talked about them earlier in their fundamentals. From the 618, do you guys think that some of the Cardinals' young defensive problems are that they try to prepare them too much for every situation versus just having the knowledge and the ability to think on the fly? I did, uh, honest answer, I don't know. That's the honest answer. I am, I am concerned that the fundamentals have broken down at not only the big league level, but the minor league level too. The minor leagues are your developmental leagues. What Matt Holiday said, I thought, I thought brings a lot of perspective and truth to the matter. When you get to the big leagues, you're expected to know. Now, Jamie, to your point, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing in a certain play, for whatever reason, that is up to your coaching staff to get that player up to speed. But why is that player needing to be, to be up to speed? Have they? Lo- My question is, and this is, again, I don't know, but have the minor leagues lost some of that from a fundamental standpoint, lost some of that attention to detail. And maybe they haven't. We're just isolating the errors, but well, that would be my question. That's where I went earlier with it, is sometimes these minor league, and I'm not even talking about the Cardinals. Let's just let's just say minor league systems. Those guys are trying to advance too. Those managers are trying to advance. And I think what happens is um, the view to the majors gets foggy because they think it depends on wins and losses and winning a championship at the minor league level. Let me tell you something. When a minor league team wins a title, the big league team is very happy for them. But it doesn't make a lick of difference to them. It provided experience for those guys. They got some good playoff reps. How's our number one pick doing, though? Why did he play like crap? Why did you not play him? Why did you play the six-year veteran over that over our first rounder right. in the playoffs because that guy is never going to play for us the first rounder we want him on the team two years from now mm-hmm. what are we doing here We've lost sight of what we're doing right so again i go back to saying that the best minor league coaches aren't the guys who win championships they're the guys that produce major leaguers that's a great point and that's the way if you're a minor league coach if i'm coaching in the american hockey league I don't care about rings for Calder Cups. It would be nice. Great. But I don't care about that. What I want my resume to say is um, AHL coach for five years. 23 National Hockey League players went through that system. Yes. I pushed that many guys to the show. Yep. Good call. That's what matters. Yeah. Well said. Question number three. We get a question from our YouTube page, DroidFX. What do you guys think about the Cardinals being years behind the rest of Major League Baseball with the pitching labs? Oh, I don't know anything. I don't know enough about it. Yeah, I, I guess uh, when you look at you know, like the studies have been done about which which teams are kind of ahead of the curve with their their pitching labs, like it, you know, getting getting pitchers up to speed and all that. And the Cardinals are apparently are are vastly behind. How's that possible? Like. I don't. I, I know you don't have the answer. It's no, more no, no. Of a, like the, a broader question. Like how? Jamie, I think what the the question that you just asked goes back to what I said. What I said yesterday. The attention has swung from pitching and defense to we need an offense. We need to build the offense. And when you look at some of the minor league developments, you know there was a there was an area there, and that really you look at, you're like, what happened here? You weren't developing big league hitters. I call it the Stephen Biscotti, Randall Gritchick era. 
He looked at like these, the, the, those two guys. Grichik, you got you got in a, a deal, and I like Randall. I do personally. I like Friend him. Of he's, the show. And, and he's had a really good. You know, he's had a nice career. Friend of the show. Um, but that he, they, those guys shouldn't be three four in your lineup. So I think they they decided. All right, we're gonna we have to really emphasize picking players with high upsides in the draft, and they did. Gorman, Walker, Win. You're seeing the fruits of labor now. But it's almost like they swung so far the other way that they don't, they, they didn't match the pitching at the same time. Now, maybe that's coming. Again, maybe uh, Tink Kent and Graceffo and McGreevy. Maybe that's coming. They missed on their but gap. But there's a window guys. here. We've talked about this before. They yes. missed on their gap, guys. Yep. When they started to go into a new generation of pitchers, they banked on Dakota Hudson. They banked on Jake Woodford. They banked on. Reyes and other guys to be that next wave. Yeah. They got it wrong. And so what's happened now is there's a massive gap because Tink Hans, McGreevy, and Graceffo, those guys aren't ready yet. They were supposed to be the next wave coming in on the tails of Hudson, Woodford, and those guys. Yeah. So they missed one, we'll call it era of pitching, one block of time, and it's cost them dearly. Definitely. We're going to do hot take or hot garbage in about 15 minutes. So we're going to give you an opportunity to text in 314-399-9646. Before we play hot garbage, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to to make your statement, and then we'll decide whether or not it's a hot take or hot garbage here in the fast lane. But the Yankees are doing something from a scouting-esque standpoint or front office-esque standpoint that Marsh led, a, led to ask, should the Cardinals be taking a page out of the Yankees book? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So Jamie, I know that you were you were looking at Bar Barstool Sports, the blog, and you saw that it was kind of an interesting article. And maybe this is actually from NJ.com, but you saw an interesting article about the Yankees and how they might restructure things with the front office. So their their current owner Steinbrenner has had enough of being a runner up, and one person with familiar with that that's familiar with Steinbrenner thinks that. There's going to be massive changes in the way that the Yankees do business in 2024. It's still uncertain whether the overhaul will cost manager Aaron Boone his job, but Steinbrenner is committed to finding out what what went wrong and how to fix it. This is the part that I, th- I know you you thought you thought was kind of interesting. The investigation will begin in early October, although interestingly, the company conducting the audit will not recommend personnel changes. The analysts will instead focus on process and how the Yankees compare to other clubs. The categories will include the success and failure of the Bombers' trades in the last decade, the shakeout of the draft picks, including the international draft, the number of games and dollars lost to injuries, and the state of minor league player development. And this led you to think about the Cardinals. Yeah, big time, because... What have we been saying for the last couple of seasons is, you know, spend more. Define that. And everybody automatically equates that to players. Free agents. No, just players overall. Players. Increase the payroll. 
increase the payroll. That's what that's what you're talking about. I'm not saying you don't increase the payroll, but maybe you're spending money in the areas that can help your ball club. Obviously, the Yankees. They have always been at the forefront of the top spending. of the spending and top of the league. You, you talk about the Yankees and you think success. Yeah. The winningest franchise in baseball history. So they're now taking the approach of we're doing an audit top to bottom, everybody. Nobody's getting fired, but the the analysis of everything will tell us where our weaknesses are. And when we def- if we see the weaknesses you know, attributed to one certain person, they're gone. Mm-hmm. That's it. We got to change, increase our scouting, uh, the way we do things, uh, how we play, how we draft all like they're doing a whole reboot of the computer. And I think it's, I think that that's the time right now for the Cardinals to do the same. What's their thought process? What's their development process in the minors? What is their strategy when it comes to drafting players? Yeah. What is their strategy when they're drafting pitchers? What kind of pitchers are we looking for? What kind of pitchers are successful? What's important offensively now? Why are we drafting slugging percentage? If so, what's the percentage of guys who slug that help you win ball games? Like all of these things have to be gone through now by the Cardinals and the Yankees, you know, are just like a step ahead. At least publicly they are. Cuz I don't know, I can't it's not fair for me to say the Cardinals aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. But I found it to be very interesting that this is the road that they've taken from a franchise that quite honestly could just continue to throw money at players and hope for the best, but instead they're going to throw money at the process and see where they're deficient. Yeah. So my only question to this, it all sounds good. It sounds good to have this external audit done to see what, you know, where you're, where you've gone wrong. I think a lot of companies do this, but I think the mistake that is often made is, are you evaluating the evaluator? Exactly. Is the audit... No, no, no. What I'm saying is, the people that are doing the audit, how many games have they won? Are they? Are you talking to people that have, have won at that level or have been part of winning organizations? Or are you talking to a, a, a consultant, oh, an outside consultant? Yes. But what they're doing is they just accrue the information. This has nothing to do with comparing it. It has nothing... They don't ever have to have played a baseball game in their lives. The information will speak for itself. And this is an analytics thing. I'm not talking curveball sliders and like situational baseball. The analytics tell me this. No, this is a, this type of player has a success rate of this. You have drafted, let's say it's a success rate of 25%, which isn't great. Okay. You've drafted 27 of these types of players. Why? Mm -hmm. Who did that? Who is in charge of that draft? Who's the guy who signed all the, like, yeah. Who's in love with this style of player that isn't working? That's what the audit does. It gives you the numbers of every decision that you've made. It supports it by uh, a cumulative number of how many times you've repeated the same behavior. Sure. And that's what it is. It, and it basically strips down everything. So the salesman on your staff, that is, you know, like the money ball thing, the old guys who, yeah, they got the eyeball and, you know, all that stuff. Those guys who have been in this forever can't just say that anymore. Because every draft pick, every player that they've ever scouted, anybody they've ever promoted now is going to be judged upon, you know, the success rate. How much money that player cost and what was that player's production. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing to do with uh, I've won championships. doesn't matter. We're not comparing it to championship players. We're comparing it to success rate in right. the majors. But you, you see what I'm saying? There's some, sometimes the numbers can be lost. Like, look at – sometimes the, 
the point can be lost in the numbers. For example, our guy at The Athletic, Dom. Yeah, but Dom's falls short because he makes it a an overall thing. So he takes all of the players' numbers, puts it in the pile, and gets a number. All different styles of players. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just took all right-handed defensemen, six foot five or taller, that you know have played this many games and this many minutes, sure. that, that that shrinks the pile down to where you get a, a really good comparable to Colton Pareko. So production minus cost of doing business, which is salary, term, the years, like that's that's more what the audit does. It shrinks it down to its smallest element to where you can actually see where you're doing well, where you're doing poorly, and if there's actually a necessity for change. Maybe yeah. there isn't. Maybe you look across the board and you're like, you know what? There's some ups, some downs, some ups, some downs. Maybe it's not this area. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the pitching staff now. Let's go to the manager, because I think Aaron Boone's got to be at risk. Yeah, I feel like the wheels fell off for him this Definitely. year in particular. He's thrown out of, what, five or six games? Something stupid like that. He got suspended for being thrown out of more right. than three games. Like, I get you're angry, but yeah, what are we paying you? Like, what, what are you? What, what are, are you, we doing here? What do you say you do here? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's and I did, and one thing that we can definitely agree on, Jamie, is that the Cardinals need to restructure things. They need to take a look. They need to take a step back and look at their their own process. Whether or not you hire an outside audit or, or consultant, all that, I don't know. But it's an inter- it's an interesting thing. I, I like that they're doing something. You know, the Yankees are what what the Cardinals do, and whether or not they're going to be public with it, I don't know. But there's definitely a need to reevaluate after this year and not just the players, but how you're acquiring those players. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I think it, if nothing else, it shows the entire organization, including the players and your fan base that you're taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. So it costs you a couple million bucks. Trust me, these owners have spent a couple million bucks worse in other directions. Sure. So I like it. I'm not saying it's something the Cardinals do and, and, and announce it publicly, but you do get to some actual numbers that can maybe influence some better decisions in the future. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stoltz. We're going to play hot take or hot garbage. Send in your hot take, and uh, we'll tell you whether or not it's hot, uh, hot take or hot garbage. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I know the 618's been chiming in on the text line. He just uh, chirped at me on Twitter. Uh-oh. said, I wish there was someone that could teach Cardinals players fundamentals, but I once heard someone say coaches don't matter. Wow. I'm a Manager sh- position oh, is wow. highly overrated, Anthony. Someone said that one time. What did you just say? What? What did you just say? <laughs> I repeated what someone said. What? Right, but what did you say? <laughs> I said the manager position is highly overrated. Which is what I have said. <laughs> yeah. Which is different, correct me if I'm wrong, which is different than coaches don't matter. <laughs> I mean, is that, I guess it's up for interpretation. You can chirp, you can <laughs> chirp at me, but let's get let's get what I said correct. And still we mangle context constantly. I've been your biggest supporter, 618. Quite quite frankly, I've been your only supporter. <laughs> you even changed his name. I even changed your name to the 61 great. And you mangle the context. Context is dead today. Jamie, mark it. 349-928-23. Context dead. 
All right. Come on now. <laughs> you hate to see it. Oh, there's somebody say cultures don't matter. I never said that. <laughs> you passive aggressive person. Wow. Let's play hot take or hot garbage. Huh? <laughs> Let's go. Fired up. Excited. All right. No. From the 618. Not the 618. Hot take. Ronald Acuna Jr. is better slash more valuable than a healthy Shohei Otani. Yeah, no. That's hot garbage. He's pretty damn valuable. There is no doubt about it. Yeah, he doesn't pitch, though. He doesn't pitch. Uh, 40 bombs and 70 stolen bases. First player ever in Major League Baseball history to do it. He's an absolute stud when it comes to playing baseball. Problem is, is he can't get you 20 wins. Can't pitch the number. He can't pitch first game in the World Series. Yeah, and that's where you know Shohei Otani's offensive numbers can rival Acuna Jr.'s all the time. Yeah, agreed. But Ronald Acuna can't pitch. Mm-mm. So I guess we got to put that in the hot mm-hmm. garbage category. Right, that's what I did. Yeah. Otani can't pitch either right now. Well, but he did say the health, healthy version. Right? There was the word healthy that was healthy. You're right, Otani. Yeah. You're right. Come on now. From the 815, hot take, the Cubs are better set up for the future with their farm system and current team than the Cardinals are. Who is? The Cubs. Uh, I'm going to I got to go with hot take on that. I don't know enough about their minor league system or their, their young players coming up. I know they have better Whoa, pitching. I know they have better but, young pitching. So, but that's the issue for me. Is it a better? Are they in a better setup? Are they a better team? Or are they just better pitching team? Well, because if you go through the Cubs roster, player for player for player, and you did the head-to-head matchup, I'd mm-hmm. be interested to see where we end up leaning at the end of it all. For what it's worth, I'm seeing top five rankings for the Cubs in terms of prospects or farm systems, okay. I should say. Uh, but the Cardinals are top 10 as well. So, And you also have to consider, I mean, Jordan Walker is no longer part of the top 10 prospects for the Cardinals. No, he's a player. No. You know, Mason Wynn might count right now, but he mm-hmm. won't be soon. You're you're developing guys at the big league. Like, they're, they're here. So mm-hmm. that has to be factored in. But from a pitching standpoint, uh, the, Cubs, the Cubs have better young pitchers right now. I mean, they've got an ace no in Justin Steele. No disagreement with that. So, But I just sometimes wonder if we look at one specific thing, and because the team has been better, they, they have much better season than the Cardinals, but I'm wondering how many players for the Cubs you'd take over certain Cardinals players. Yeah. There's a couple for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, but I, yeah, pound for pound, yeah. I don't know. That's what I don't know either. But I, I just keep thinking about, and this is something that I've said a lot this year, and I believe it more than ever now after watching this year. If you're not pitching, you have anything. This Cardinals offense is really good. This Cardinals offense, I would stack up pound for pound against a lot of these teams. Yeah. You're not pitching, you're in last place. If you don't have pitching, you don't have anything. I don't disagree with it. You. It is not unlike if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. You might have a good, t- ah, a good team, just need a quarterback. Well, then you, you're, you're a long ways away from winning then. There's no such thing of, we just need a quarterback. Oh, okay, then you need everything, is what you're saying. From a 6-1-8, hot take, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line is the best D-line the NFL has ever seen with all the guys they can rotate in and out. 
Ah, oh, man. I mean, the it's Pittsburgh pretty, Steelers pretty way back when. Still the curtain. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, you got the seven. You got the 70s Steelers. Mm. And you had Randy White. You had Ed Jones. You had all these guys with the Cowboys. The Ed Bears, the 85 Jones. Bears had some animals on yep. that line. Richard Dent. William Perry. Yep. Like, they had some guys, man. Uh, I do I do appreciate what he, say, what he or she is saying, though, in terms of the rotation. They're right. I mean, you can... They they have they have two waves of linemen. It is not just the front four. You're good. Like they, they're going to be in the fourth quarter. They're still going to be fresh. Mm. So factoring that in, I don't know. That's a deep dive. I'll go. I'll go. With the hot take right now though. It's got me thinking. I don't think that's hot garbage. I think it's a hot take. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a hot take though either. I don't think it's either. It's not the lukewarm. I go hot. I'll go hot garbage then. I'm sorry. All right. Don't forget the purple people eaters, too. That's true. Yes. The New York Jets in the late 80s, early 90s. Mark Gastineau. Gastineau, Joe Klecko. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, come on, man. Mm-hmm. The New York Giants. Their heyday. There's some freaking defensive yeah. lines, man. I yeah. wonder if you... The Redskins. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can revisit this in like 10 years and then... And then say that, something. Because, I mean, you guys, be better you guys are mentioning all these different teams... So that leads me to think that this is hot garbage because you have all these other teams that you can compare them to. Maybe we wait 10 years and we really see how how good they are. It's tough too though because it's a completely different era. That's true. You know, I mean, the, those guys, those guys that we've mentioned, a lot of the guys that Jamie just brought up, they had to, they had to play the run too. Mm-hmm. Um, where a lot of these guys, I'm not saying they don't, but you know, it's a it's a strictly passing league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Giants, the two team, the two teams the Giants rolled out against Patriots. They had a lot of depth too. When you're mm-hmm. talking about Strahan and Umanura and Justin oh, Talk yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, Linval Joseph, the second um, Super Bowl. I mean, they they had that was a great line too. From the six one eight hot take, the Cards have failed to draft and develop players from Latin America. I think their international drafts have been incredibly underwhelming. We just brought up the Braves. Look at the Braves roster and some of the players. That they that they selected in the international draft. When I watched Ron Lacuna steal that base, and I'm like, why don't we have one of those? Like, why don't we have an international player that is absolute stud? Yeah, you do, and and I can't tell you one that I can't remember any. Like, yeah, I'm sure there are players that were okay. I mean, but like you know, Carlos Martinez, Aledmus yeah. Diaz, like those are the names that that come to mind. It's the one, quite frankly, that you didn't sign when you had an opportunity, and that was Luis Robert of the White Sox. I mean, it, it was like the White Sox and Cardinals. White Sox, who's he going to go to? And the Cardinals were like, Nah, it's a lot of money. That's nah, too much money for an unknown player. Yeah, they they certainly have not um, produced like star caliber players in the international draft no so hot take from the 636 hot take dennis gates will have mizzou in a final four within three years i'll take that I'll, i think it's a hot take that guy's crushing it he's right been now. phenomenal he's he is just he has got the pulse of that team and he recruits well and more importantly than recruiting well he connects with the players how big is that we've been talking about this with Dion. Mm-hmm. it's not just about recruiting it's about connecting with your players and having those players believe in something greater than just their career aspirations it's about believing in the team and then going on and doing something bigger even bigger and even better uh i think dennis gates while not you know the flash that 
Dion has had. He's, he's not great. Nobody, nobody, nobody does. <laughs> but, you know, I think Dennis Gase has done just a, a tremendous job. I thought last year was just a stepping stone. That was an excellent season. Yeah. Listen, he's done a great job. Now, can he keep them? I th- yeah, and I think he can. And that's the battle. No, is the battle for a program like Mizzou is going to be, okay, we recruited these guys. They came in. They crushed it. Are they going to transfer now to one of the Blue Bloods? Sure. The ones that are going to get them drafted in the first five in the NBA. Right. Yep, that's fair. So we'll see. Gauntlet is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four hundred one. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. We welcome in Jeremy into the Gauntlet. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, what's up? First time in the Gauntlet. Yeah, I've been trying to get on for a while, man. This is exciting. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for playing today. Would you like to take on Marsh, Jamie, or me today? Uh, Jamie. Jamie oh. is up. Jamie and Jeremy, Clash of the Titans, baby. I like the headlines already. A couple of J's. All right, buddy. Good luck, man. Thanks. All right, Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. You're going to tell Marsh to spin that wheel, Jeremy. Spin that wheel, Marshy. What are we hoping for, Jeremy? Baseball. Baseball. What are we not hoping for? Uh, football. Football. Ooh. Is that what I see? Yep, baseball it is. You got your wish, Jeremy. You got baseball today. Sweet. All right, four questions to Jeremy. Four, same four questions to Jamie. All baseball. Each question is worth two points. If Jeremy or Jamie ask for the options, those questions immediately become worth one point. Jeremy, are you ready? Yes, sir. Who won the NL Rookie of the Year last season? Who won the National League Rookie of the Year last season? Last year. Michael Harris. Final answer? Yeah. Question number two. Which team that was recently eliminated from playoff contention will be missing the playoffs for the first time since 2016? Uh, Options. Options are the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, or the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. Final answer? Final answer. Question three. What year was the first year BT pitched for the Cardinals, posting a 4-0 record and a 2.95 ERA? Again, what what year was the first year Brad Thompson pitched for the Cardinals, posting a 4-0 record and a 2.95 ERA? I want to say 2003. Final answer. Question number four. Carlos Beltran played 20 years in Major League Baseball. Which team did he play the most games for? Kansas City Royals. Final answer. All right. We'll welcome in Jamie or welcome back, Jamie. Jeremy, how are you feeling? Pretty good. Okay. All right. Jamie is 
walking back into the studios right now. He has glasses in hand. He's about to put his headphones back in. Guys, that was really quick. It was really quick. You know what that means, right? <laughs> it's like really good yeah. or really bad. It's usually that. It's either one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. There's no mid ground. Yeah. No. One. Yeah. It nope. means you better pack a lunch. Okay. Jamie. Anthony. Your category today mm. is baseball. I love baseball. I know you do, buddy. Question number one. Who won National League Rookie of the Year last season? Okay. National League Rookie of the Year. I should know this. I should know this. Was last year Jonathan India? Was that the year before? Uh, crap. Give me the options. Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, O'Neill Cruz. Wow, okay, I thought it was going to be easier than this. Go uh, oh, Michael Harris, final answer. Question number two. Which team that was recently eliminated from playoff contention will be missing the playoffs for the first time since 2016? Man, you should pay. People should pay more attention to things. Is it the Boston Red Sox? Is it the Yankees? Son of a batch of biscuits. Give me the options. Options are the Boston Red Sox, Mm -hmm. the New York Yankees, (laughs) or the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Mm. Well, the Cardinals missed in 2018, so delete that. Um, Didn't they? Red Sox, <sighs> Yankees, son of a. I'm going to say the New York Yankees. Final answer. Question three. What year was the first year BT, otherwise known as Brad Thompson, pitched for the Cardinals, posting a 4-0 and record and a 2.95 ERA? So, he was part of the 06 World Series Championship. But was that the first year he pitched for the Cardinals, Anthony? Tell me. <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> hey! Um, or did he get some games in 05? Because I know he rode the Memphis shuttle. Probably going to be like 05, 06, or 04, 05, 06. It's going to be my options for sure. I'm going to say 2005, final answer. Question number four. Carlos Beltran played 20 years in Major League Baseball. Which team did he play the most games for? Carlos Beltran. The most games for? The Astros? My high as a kite on that one. Give me the answer. Or the, give me the answer. <laughs> give me, I will the take answer. the options, please. Options are the New York Mets, the Kansas City Royals, or the New York Yankees. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad I didn't say that. I'll say the New York Mets. Final answer. Woof. All right, let's go over these. 
Who won the National League Rookie of the Year last season? Jamie, you said Michael Harris. Jeremy, you said Michael Harris. Correct, ah. Correct answer is? It is Michael Harris. But Jeremy did not need the options oh, you for that sly one. Dog. So Jeremy's got a 2-1 lead over Jamie. Which team that was recently eliminated from playoff contention will be missing the playoffs for the first time since 2016? Jeremy, with the options, you said the Cardinals. Jamie, with the options, you said the Yankees, and you were flipping back and forth between the Yankees and Red Sox. Yeah. Correct answer is... It is the New York Yankees. Jamie has tied things up. Cardinals, what, 2018 they missed? Yes. Yeah, okay. So again, we have a uh, 2-2 tie. What year was the first year BT pitched for the Cardinals, posting a 4-0 record and a 2.95 ERA? Jeremy, without the options, said 2003. Jamie, without the options, said 2005. We know he was a part of the 06 World Series team. Mm -hmm. Was that the first time he was called up? Or was it before that? Correct answer is... 2000. Five. Jamie's right. He got two on that one. He did not need the option, so he is up by two. What were the options? Out of curiosity for that one. Oh four, oh five, oh six. Carlos Beltran played twenty years in Major League Baseball. Which team did he play the most games for? Again, Jeremy is down by two. Jamie took the options. Said the Mets. Jeremy did not take the options and said the Royals, who are an option. We know that from Jamie. Mets, Royals, Yankees. If it's the Mets or Yankees, Jamie wins. If it's the Royals, we've got a walk-off. Jeremy. You have chosen poorly. You lose! Correct answer is... It is the New York Mets with 839 games. Jamie, five points today. Got every question right. Needed the options for three of them. Nailed the 05 BT question. I'm a baseball guy. Jeremy goes down five to two. Jeremy, (laughs) thanks for playing, man. I'm glad you got through. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Have a good one, buddy. You too. Nice job there, kid. Those are difficult, man. By the way, the, it's the, amazing what you can retain, though. Like I'm like, eh. the options do help at that point. They do. You had this look on your face, like there's just no way it's the Kansas City Royals. Actually, wasn't that far off no. as much as you think it was. Really, seven hundred ninety-five. Oh wow, yeah. wow. Probably because the Royals. I don't remember that. That was his first team. Yeah. Wow. Carlos Beltran. Of course, he struck out. Against Adam Wainwright yeah, that was in the one. 2006 NLCS. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN, and we appreciate Jeremy playing. Thanks for listening. Uh, what do the Cardinals, Mets, Padres, Yankees, and Red Sox all have in common? Is ah, there? No postseason. That's one. Is there another one? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All 
these teams, Cardinals, Mets, Padres, Yankees, Red Sox, every single one of them have disappointed this season. The only team that is still mathematically alive as of this very second is the San Diego Padres, but they'll they'll be eliminated soon enough. So what do these teams have in common? Again, Cardinals, Mets, Padres, Yankees, Red Sox. With Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, and Anthony Stalter. Kind of an interesting look at this. If we're just going to go with one thing, or if I was just going to go with one thing, guys, if I isolate the starting pitching, not the, not the entire pitching staff, just the starting pitching of each of these teams, and the metric that I like to use is fielding a dependent percentage. Works the same as ERA. Well, I like that one. Because it's it's park adjusted, and okay. it's it highlights, it takes kind of the defense out of it and just and just evaluates so each pitcher. The pitcher. Exactly. Okay. It, the ERA, it doesn't adjust for the ballparks. It doesn't adjust for whether or not your defense is great. It well, just, it's earned runs. Exactly. So, so it's not like, you know. Yeah, the only thing really factors it is errors. Yeah. You know. All right, so. Fielding independent percentage, again, works the same as ERAs in, ter- in terms of how you read it. Jamie, out of the Cardinals, Mets, Padres, Yankees, and Red Sox, so one, two, three, four, five. Out of those five teams, how many of those teams do you believe, or do you think, finished in the top five in fielding independent percentage? Finished in the top five. Honestly? Out of the five. Top of my head, none. None is the correct answer. How many of those teams out of five finished 10th in that category? Or top 10, I should say. 10th. 10th top 10. <sighs> okay. In fielding independent percentage for just the starting position. I'll say none again. One. Okay. The San the Diego Mets. Padres. Oh, I thought maybe the Mets because they had Verlander yeah. and Scherzer. I thought maybe that would skew it a little bit. The Padres, surprisingly. Well, they got Blake Snell. Figure it out. There, there you go. So they really had, and and Michael Walker had a good year, but he was he, he, he was banged up from for the majority of the middle of the season. But what's now like one point six two? He's ERA been disgusting. So they stupid had, like that, right? Yeah. All right. How many out of the five? And I we were to give you one because yeah. the Padres finished in the top fifteen mm. or six, how about this sixteen? Because there's no, we'll go fifteen because that's the that's the dead average. Um, I think it would be teams. the Mets and the Padres. I'd say two, one. The Padres, who finished seventh. The Padres were seventh. The Yankees were 17th. The Mets were 18th. The Red Sox were 21st. And your St. Louis Cardinals were 23rd. So the only team that had quality to great starting pitching this year, and I wouldn't say great, just, you know, top 10, the San Diego Padres. Thanks Every, to two guys, primarily. Thanks to two guys. Every other team of those five finished below average. And to me, that that really that says everything. When you look at like the Yankees and the Mets, 17th and 18th, you say, well, you know, that's not terrible. It, they had below average starting pitching. Mm-hmm. If you kind of take it from there and expand it out, the Yankees... Did not have the offense this this season to overcome the bet the poor pitching they have in years past. The Mets offense hasn't been, has wasn't able to carry some of the poor pitching either. We know the Cardinals, unfortunately, even with their good offense, they couldn't carry it. The other thing that I think stands out, Jamie, is something that you kind of just alluded to. Oh well, the Padres they finished seventh. Well, they have Blake Snell. 
The Mets were an aberration because of Scherzer and Verlander. Mm-hmm. And Sanga, for that matter. Only two of those teams really had aces. Like Chris Sale, he's been he's been banged up. He's not what he was. Mm-hmm. The Yankees had Garrett Cole. I should say I should say this. They even if they had an ace, because Garrett Cole's an ace, the rest of the rotation wasn't good enough. So what do these teams have in common? It's the pitching. That's how I look at it. Do you view it in a different way? No. <laughs> when, when all of these teams are missing the postseason and you only have one team in the top ten and the rest are below the halfway mark and lower, no, there's no other way to look at it. It's a direct correlation to the success of your team. Mm-hmm. And having an ace like Blake Snell makes a difference. Michael Walker having a solid year makes a difference. But for me, it just goes to show you how badly the Cardinals need to go get that ace. Yes. Because what would the Cardinals season look like now if they had a guy every five days that you plop him in there and you're guaranteed a great start? Even if they had Cole or I know or Snell, though, it oh, wouldn't be listen, good enough, obviously. I agree. Don't. I'm not sitting here saying one guy changes Saves everything. Yeah. But one guy Goes and another solid guy mm-hmm. makes a big difference. And the Padres still miss the playoffs. Yep. The other the other factor you can and, and I'm doing this I'm doing this right now. The other factor that at least deserves me- mention besides the pitching uh is the defense. So let's let's play the same game here, Jamie. You ready? Mm-hmm. Out of the five teams in terms of total defensive run saves ranking as a team. How many how many of those teams do you think had positive numbers? Let's just go positive and negative. Forget the rankings. Out of the five teams, how many do you think had, had, had positive ratings? One. Two. Mm, I almost said two. Padres and Yankees. The Red Sox were a minus 22. That's the worst. The Mets were a minus 21, and the Cardinals were a minus six. It's run prevention. It's run prevention. The Mets, they spend? Oh, do they ever? Yankees spend? Yep. Padres spend? Yeah, yeah, stupidly, but yep. It's not, you know, we could we could sit here until we're blue in our face and all about the way you got to spend more. Those three teams have proven that it's not just about spending. I'm not saying don't spend anything. Yeah. But it's not just about You have to spend on the right damn players. Well, yeah, that's it right there, the right players, because both the Mets and the Padres suffered from a fractured clubhouse to, this year, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you spend all that money, you have all these egos that walk around. And I always reference my time with the Detroit Red Wings because, I mean, that's it was an entire team almost of Hall of Famers. And every guy got along. Every guy knew their role. Every guy pulled for the team. Every guy did, like, but that was built that way. Scotty Bowman and Ken Holland built a team that could coexist, where Brett Hall could exist with Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman could exist with Brendan Shanahan. Nick Lidstrom could exist with Chris Chelios. Like, all of these massive names coexisted because they all had one common goal. They wanted to win. Right. It wasn't about the paychecks. They, they were getting good paychecks. It was about the team winning. Mm-hmm. Where the Padres and the Mets went wrong is they threw money at everything. Yep. And the players that they threw money at may not be the best teammates, may not care the most about winning for the team. Mm-hmm. 
They might care more about their endorsement deals or their home runs or their strikeouts or whoever the player is you want to pick that maybe was a problem. Sure. It wasn't based around the team first mentality. Right. So yeah, I threw fifty million at a player or forty five million at a player, but he was the wrong player. That can handicap your team. Sure. The other thing too, let's just eliminate another thing too, because I know that there's a lot of people that just they they're not they're not high on Ollie Marmel. Okay, fine. You're right to your opinion and all that, and it's been a bad season. So the other thing I think we need to look at here too is there there is I feel a small contention here in St. Louis that says. You, you need to go out and get an experienced manager. All right. Alex Cora is an experienced manager with World Series pedigree. Aaron Boone has managed for a while now. Buck Showalter, you don't get more experience than Buck Showalter. Bob yeah, Melvin yeah. is San Diego's manager. There is one, to me, there's a one obvious similarity and there is a 1B. And it is starting pitching for these teams, save for the Padres, and then then there is the, the defense. defense. The Padres are the outlier, quite frankly, because they had good defense and good starting pitching. Where they went wrong, I think, is what you said. They hired they basically brought in a bunch of hired mercenaries. Yeah, they picked the wrong guys. They picked the wrong guys. They picked the wrong blend of guys. The, the roster construction wasn't great. And I know the Cardinals, we can kind of spend some time talking about roster construction with the, the Cardinals as well. But other than that, I mean... The, the you take the Padres out of it, and, and all these other teams have similar problems. What do they do in the off season now? Because there's an the Cardinals have a big off season, Mets have a big off season, Padres have a big off season, Yankees, Red Sox, same deal. Do you know what I don't like about this group of five? All the other ones are willing to spend. Yeah, yeah, and they they like. The Mets, they, they can throw money at the problems. The Mets, the Yankees, and the Red Sox have absolutely no financial problems whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The Padres might have financial problems, but they're so freaking all in right now that they're going to go down with the ship. They yep. don't care. They'll, yep. they'll throw money at somebody to fix this. Yep. Do you guys think that analytics playing a, a factor in contracts? We've talked about it before that some players – you know, they're getting paid by how many home runs they hit. It doesn't matter how many times they strike out. Do you think that plays a factor in creating a culture within a clubhouse? Like you mentioned, some players might be too invested in on, on how many doubles they hit or how many home runs they hit instead of just moving the runner over. Do you think that plays a factor into some of these teams and perhaps they're losing? It might create an imbalanced, ros- an imbalanced roster. Mm-hmm. But again, I go back to it comes back to the individual. Right. You have to pick the right individual. Because Paul Goldschmidt is going to advance the runner. Nolan Arenado is going to advance the runner. Well, they're going to try. They're going to, well, yeah, I'm speaking hypotheticals, okay? It's not October, so they're going to advance the, run, the, the runner. Um, but you go back to some of these other guys, like they have long-term deals. They're guaranteed the money. Mm-hmm. So really bunting, would, who cares? I didn't get a home run. Who cares? I'm making 30 schmill anyways, right? right? But you pick the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. You pick the guys that just care about themselves. And that's the, that's the bad part when you're trying to win a World Series with so many high-priced players is you have to make sure that you've signed or acquired the players that want to win a World Series more than anything else. There you go. It's Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. NFL Better Bet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Time for NFL Better Bet. What do you got, Marsh? All right, gentlemen, let's start off with the Better Bet Road Underdog Edition. We have the Patriots over the Cowboys or the Raiders over the Chargers. What is the better bet? Okay, so the Raiders over the Chargers or the Patriots over the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I think, honestly, I think the better bet is the Patriots over the Cowboys. Seeing what happened to the Cowboys uh, last week Mm -hmm. by a team that just defended and played hard makes me think that Dak Prescott is something you can get to. You can get to this guy. I do think the Raiders could easily beat the Chargers as well, but if I'm looking for, like, saucy, I think the Patriots give to the Cowboys. I'll take the better coaching staff. The Patriots are not impressive at all, but they also they tend not to beat themselves. They stay in a lot of games. You know, the, the Chargers, granted, the Chargers beat, beat themselves all the time. But when it comes to this, these two matchups, Jimmy Garoppolo, not that he has played great, but he's he's dealing with, I think, what, a concussion or an ankle injury or something. So he, he we don't know his status for Sunday. And the Chargers are kind of flying high a little bit after beating the Vikings last week in that kind of thriller. Uh, while Cowboys are going to be focused, I detail the red zone issues that they have had. Mm-hmm. And it's not just last week. It's, it's the last couple of weeks. So I'll go with the Patriots as well. I'm also going with the Patriots. Obviously, the Cowboys lost last week to the Arizona Cardinals. The Patriots have Bill Belichick as their head coach. Um, I'm never going to pick the Raiders to win another game after what they did to me when they took when they took on the Bills. So uh, I'm going with the Patriots. All right. Better bet home favorite edition: Bills over Dolphins or Browns over the Ravens. No, neither. <laughs> Better bet though. Woof. Better bet. I would say, oh, man, this one's got me. This one's got me, Anthony. You know, every now and again, you get that one that you're like, yeah. That's the good, though. Better bet, Making you think. I think, is Cleveland over Baltimore. The reason being is uh, Miles Garrett just absolutely driving Lamar Jackson crazy. That offense, for me, has been mid. Eh, it's fine. Obviously, the Ravens have proven that they can be beaten. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins, though, I mean, that team is just an absolute offensive juggernaut right now. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Bills because they're running the ball effectively with James James Cook, and you're going to have to run the ball if you're going to if you're going to slow down Miami. If you get into a, a shootout or try to take Miami, you know why bring Miami's game to the front door? Mm. Josh Allen throwing all over the yard. I know he's got Stephon Diggs. I know he's got weapons. But Josh Allen, as as we've talked about, he also has a penchant for throwing interceptions because he's forcing it. If you could stay balanced, your defense is good enough to hang. You know this opponent well. I think it's the Bills. The Browns, I love the defense. I just did. The offense, I don't trust yeah, I at all. I'm with you on that. So I'm going to go with the Bills on this one. That's, that's a fascinating matchup. I'm going with the Browns over the Ravens. Sort of similar to what I said about the Cowboys. Didn't like what the Ravens did last week against the Indianapolis Colts. The Dolphins put up 70 points. It's not winter time yet. <laughs> so I'm going with the Dolphins. 
Next one, better bet rebound edition. The Jags over the Falcons or the Saints over the Bucks? I'm going to go with the Saints over the Bucks, believe it or not, even with even with potentially famous Jameis. It's my Bucks, Anthony. The Saints have won 7 of the last 10 matchups. The last two Bucks wins came last year because of Tom Brady, but it was a 17-16 win for the Bucks and a 20 to 10 win for the Bucks. Otherwise, the Saints have owned have owned this matchup. I think Shaky Bakey and company got exposed. No, oh, really. On, on Monday. Yeah, well, buck you, Anthony. Okay? <laughs> Stop the run. You beat the Bucks. <laughs> I'm going Jacksonville on this one. Lawrence Stop is going to just run a train. Stop up. the run. You beat the Falcons. So, yeah. Going to run a train all over that Falcons team. You think so, huh? Back oh. and forth all over the place. Wow. Wow, that was graphic. They have some weird-looking trains too in London. They do, but they're fast. They are okay. They're fast. They do. They they get the job done quickly. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the Saints over the Bucks. Uh, I you think go train over a bus. Oh, every day. I'm just saying those like London bus. I feel like that's yeah, kind of a bigger thing. The red oh. ones. Yeah. The double deckers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are fun for everyone, but for me. I like the big, speedy ones. Okay. Okay. Marsh, you were saying? Sorry. Uh, yeah, the Saints over the Bucks. Uh, Anthony, I really like your Falcons this week. Uh, Why I know, are you doing that? I know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are you doing that? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Last week, you took them, too. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you are putting the NFL Pick'em Challenge in jeopardy because of your personal feelings about the Vikings and Falcons. What are you Falcons. talking about? Wow. I'm simply making a pick. It's not my fault you don't have confidence in your own team. You don't. You you hate Desmond Ritter. You think he's the worst quarterback in the league. Well, and he might be. He's not statistically, but he might be in the conversation. He'll be there at some point. We know really? it. Ritter's, Anthony, Ritter's not good. He can't throw. I know. Jacksonville. It's terrible. He has Jacksonville. No idea where he's going. Four and five in London. The Falcons are one and one. You know, I just like the Falcons the in this game. The best of the worst. Right the best here, of the worst out of the uh, the this London games. This is what we're giving London, by the way. They never get it's anything It's the good. Toy Story game. <laughs> they don't. They never. You know? I mean, it's always it's always the Jaguars. Well, yeah, obviously, I and, get that part. And then it's it's always like the Saints and Vikings. Ugh. I feel like we've seen Saints, Vikings, and Falcons, Jaguars in London multiple times. Let's not forget that Jameis Winston is playing in a revenge game. That's very true. This week, it's yep. got to be the Saints over the Bucks. Nah. Uh, I even think Taysom Hill will get some work this week sure. as well. With punt coverage. Well, he'll probably be And red the, zone. Yeah, he's, he'll know, be everywhere. Everything. He's a utility player. Punt coverage, yeah, kick off, return. He's probably playing the outfield. Probably. Add <laughs> <laughs> him to the outfield. Yeah, put him in a corner spot. Well, I could go wrong. All right, better bet first win edition. Vikings over Panthers or Broncos over the Bears? Oh, this one's easy. Easy. Vikings. Let Russ cook, baby. What? Broncos over the Bears. Wow. This, this game will be the least watched game in ever in the NFL history. I and think ever, people Bob. might want to watch it just to Why? see how bad it is. I, okay. It is kind of the dysfunctional they'll, they'll watch it for five, ten minutes, and then they're on to a real yeah. game. They're like, I'm going to tune it. This is terrible. This where, so bad. where is Bill's Dolphins? Yeah. 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 I've got, I actually have the Broncos over the Bears. I do think the Vikings will beat the Panthers as well, but I think it'd be 
I know it's more of a storyline here to have these two horse crap teams playing each other and have wow. one like win. I'm gonna say Marsh's Vikings get get their first first dub. Thank you, Anthony. Why are you gonna do that? It's the, <laughs> hold on, it's the pan, it's the Panthers. Oh boy, there it is. You know, no, it's just the Panthers. It's just the Panthers. It's just the Pirates. They're better than the than the cars That's, right now. This season, know? they absolutely are. All right, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Did you make your selection? I did not. I did not. Uh, I also have the Vikings over the Panthers. Right. I do have the Broncos beating the Bears. However, the Broncos last week, in total net yards per play, gave up 10.2 yards they gave per up, play. They gave up a first down per play. Every single play. Uh, in terms of net rushing yards, the average rushing yards was 8.1. So if Justin Fields doesn't want to run the ball, he certain or I'm sorry, throw the ball, he can certainly run the ball for at least 8 yards. You would think. So, I think that's a toss-up. It's definitely a pick and we'll talk about it tomorrow. What could hinder the Ford group for the Blues this season? We'll get into that next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, like I said, Verona's got speed and, and skill, and he's got a good shot. Um, he finds a way to score, and he finds a way to use his speed. If he wants to score more than he is already, just get to the inside more. You know, that's the key. Like, he's going to score his goals on his shot from the outside and his opportunities, opportunistic uh, plays. But I think he can be a more consistent scorer by just getting on the inside more and getting around the net more. Because he's got good hands, and there's rebounds and things like that. He'll put them home. That was Blues head coach Craig Berube. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Saltz. What could hinder the forward group for the Blues this season? Could it be lack of shots funneled toward the net? Jamie, you had talked about that either yesterday or the day before. Uh, Is it as simple as just getting inside, something the Blues didn't do consistently last year? Which is important, Jamie. Mm -hmm. Very. Uh, Board battles. If you're going to be a a team that is going to be heavy on the forecheck, boy, you better win your board battles. Making the first pass, transition. Execution. Execution. I like where your head's at. A little bit of everything, Jamie. Yeah. What's one thing that you really focus on? Well, so the biggest thing that I pulled out of last year's lack of success was um, lack of sustained offensive zone puck possession. Which is? Which means you're controlling the puck in the offensive zone for an extended period of time. So that, to me, would be winning your board battles. Mm Mm-hmm getting the puck in deep, but keeping it there, shot selection, getting people to the net, all of that. Because if you're just shooting from the outsides, like you said, it's an easy rebound, and you get your your goaltender is going to make that save. Not a rebound, but your goaltender is going to make that save. He's going to get it over his defenseman, and boom, you're back on defense again. Yeah, 100%. Look, the Blues were at the top of the food chain when it came to opportunities, chances off the rush which means that the attacking forwards are up the ice from neutral zone or their defensive zone into the offensive zone, getting a a shot on net. Problem with that is that's not necessarily the right play selection. That's an all-or-nothing play. Mm -hmm. You either score on that one or the other team gets it, and you don't have any sustained offensive zone time. And that's the type of play that screws up your defensive structure because your defensemen who are trying to get up the ice and support the attack and close the gaps, they can't. 
because the puck, before they know it, is coming back at them in a defensive way. So they've got to pause to tap the brakes and respond defensively, which creates a big gap between the forwards and the defensemen, which means the other team's creating team speed and coming at those defensemen at 100 miles an hour. So sometimes the better play is not to just shoot it from the far boards. It's to chip it into the corner, have your teammate go get it, protect the puck, cycle it down low, cycle it again. Now your defensemen are in the zone. Now you pass the puck from low to high, which means from the goal line to the blue line, Mm -hmm. spreading out that defensive coverage. The defensemen are now involved. The gaps are tight. Everything's good. You're wearing down the opponent. So I think that's part of the game this year where the Blues have to have more offensive zone puck possession time, which comes down to better puck decisions off of the rush. So that's step one. Step two is putting more pucks to the net, but not just from anywhere. Like the whole funnel the pucks to the net thing, it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore unless you have bodies in front of the net. If you have bodies or layers in front of the net, all the layers are It's bodies, but it's a fancier way of saying it to where you can have two guys down in front of the net right on the goal crease. Not necessarily the biggest advantage. Want to know why? Because if a rebound pops out past those two guys, what are they now? They're trapped. Hmm. They're on the wrong side of the puck now. And now they're chasing the game back towards their defensive end. So what you want is you want layers in front of the net. You want one guy at the top of the paint, the next guy in the slot, which is right between the hash marks in the middle of the big circles. Yeah. That's where you want. You want double layers of net front presence. Now when you get pucks into that area, if the guy who's up a little higher between the hash marks, if he has to converge down upon a rebound, well, that's easy. It's easier to go to the puck than to chase the puck. And so that's what the Blues need. Good inside presence in front of the net with layers of forward presence. And they have to have good selections of what they're doing with the puck from the outside. Control the puck. If the shot's not there, get it to the point. I think the Blues can do a much better job of utilizing the defensemen this year. But there's got to be a trust factor there. The lack of trust comes from the forwards passing it to the defensemen and the defensemen not making a good play and turning the puck over. Nothing that a forward hates more than to get offensive zone time and then have to chase the puck back to their end and play defense. So there's a trust factor there. When the puck goes up high to the defenseman, they have to make good puck decisions. It doesn't mean scoring goals. It just means not shooting into shin pads. It means, you know, not holding onto the puck forever. It means putting the puck back into an area where your forwards can get it. Either you make a play back down the wall and you continue to possess the puck, or you put it to an area where there's a 50-50 puck battle and your team can get it back. Ultimately, you'd like to see your defenseman be able to walk the line and get a shot through to the net with your layers of players in mm-hmm. front of the net. So that's another part of it. The Blues defensemen were not as much a part of the offense last year for several reasons. We already talked about the one-and-done, off-the-rush, can't defenseman can't get involved there. Talked about not having net front presence. Well, you want your defenseman to shoot the puck more? Get somebody in front of the net. And that's as a defenseman, you tell the fours all the time. We'll get the puck to the net. There's nobody there. Why? I don't feel like warming up the goalie right now. Yeah. He's fine. I saw him. He He's warmed he up. Stop. Yeah. yeah, he's good. Okay, so what else happens? And let's say let's say you do get you do get the layers that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that the Blues never got layers last year. Very so. seldom. Okay, okay. It wasn't good. All right, they did not. So have, what were it, they doing? Uh, off the rush. So off the rush, you get one guy that's kind of going to the net, and then when the puck hits the goalie or misses the net they or just whatever, can't go back. That, 
Yeah. There's nothing there then. You have no sustained pressure. And your defensemen can't gap up as fast as you need them to. And even if they do, they're now they're at risk of having the puck being chipped behind them. And now it's a foot race back the other way, which created odd man rushes, which the Blues gave up a lot of those last year. Right. Then Bennington gives up a goal. Is like, Dan Bennington? Yeah, Dan Bennington. What right. the hell is he doing? Right. Well, it's his fifth two-on-one in the period. <laughs> Sorry about that. He blocked the first four, but yeah, yeah the one got through. So to kind of put a bow on all of it here is this team has to be much better with play selection and then protecting the puck down low and then layers of bodies at the front of the net. They do that. It's more of a... It's more of a 2019 look mm-hmm. again, a 2020 look for that matter, because the following season people forget how good the Blues really were again until the bubble, which is unfortunate. But that to me is what will make the Blues successful, and that to me is what they're building on right now. Yeah. With the roster construction that they have right now, they have a number of guys that are getting to the front of the net. Guys know the assignment. We talk about Chiefs giving you the answers to the test, right? He did. And guys are using them now. Sonny, Richie, McEachern, Walker, Shen, Neighbors, Saad. These are all guys that in three games have been a, a net front presence. Mm-hmm. It's what you need if you're going to win. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. And we, the Fastlane, will be live this Friday from 2 to 6 at Auto Center's Nissan in Herculaneum. They have their huge anniversary sale going on right now. You could check out the live broadcast while also checking out your next new ride. 750 new and used vehicles of almost every make in stock, discounted and ready for sale at Auto Center's Nissan Herculaneum. Plus, you could spin. You got a wheel. I saw it. Cool. Kind of looks like our wheel for uh, the gauntlet, in fact. You could spin, get an additional $1,000 off, register to win a new Polaris ATV, and more. Fastlane, that's us, live this Friday from Auto Center's Nissan's huge anniversary sale out in Herculaneum. Hope to see you there. What's Trending is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's going on in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a Lion's Choice Sandwich Coupon. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. It's time for What's Trending. And Jamie, yeah. the Blues taking on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Preseason, we'll get a first look. Well, I guess not technically the first look as they played Connor Bedard in, uh, you know, what would you call that? The prospect, uh, the camp. prospect yeah, camp. That we don't count that. that but count. Technically, That's we're getting our first look at the number one overall pick in Connor Bedard tonight. What are you expecting to see from him? Yeah, well, first of all, people who are wanting to catch all of that action can tune in here to 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber, Joey Vitale on the call. Uh, If you don't have a radio in front of you, though, you can watch it on NHL Network tonight. They are covering the games, their featured game, featured preseason game of the night. For obvious reasons, Connor Bedard is playing. I'm anxious to see how this looks. They got him playing with Taylor Hall and Ryan Donato. So a couple of pretty good players, Taylor Hall specifically. I don't know what to expect. I'm curious to see how Connor Bedard competes against NHL players. Now, not all of the guys the Blues are icing tonight will be playing in the NHL. So there's still, you know, some, some gaps there. But overall, he's playing against a lineup full of men. 
He's got some pretty good players out there tonight for the Blues that are going to be competing against Connor Bedard. I don't know what to expect exactly, but I'm anxious to see how he plays. I, I'm excited to see, you know, if the if the hype matches the production. And I know it's his first game. Yeah. But, but I just want to see what he's got. You know, is he fast? That that release that he's got, does it play in the NHL? Are the guys all over him? Is he able to create offense? And he'll get better every single game. And just because I've said before I'm just unsure about what he can do right away doesn't mean he's not going to turn into an absolutely dominant player. Mm -hmm. I said the same things about Mitch Marner when he broke into the league with Toronto. I was like, eesh. He's small. I I don't I don't know if it translates. I'm mm. man enough to admit I was wrong. It translated. Mitch Marner's been a friggin' phenomenal player every single year he's played. So Connor Bedard might be the exact same thing. But I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I am too. I mean, this is it's good for the NHL. Whether you think he's gonna make it or not, whether you think he's gonna be a superstar or he's gonna be a bust, it builds hype for the NHL. This is a good thing. You wanna you wanna tune in regardless of what team it is, to see how, how the kid's going to play. And that's in any sport, you know? I mean, when, when you look at, like, the NBA and some of the top top players that have come out, yeah, they're going to play for bad teams. You're, you're just interested to see how it looks, though. Uh, same thing with a quarterback that's taken number one overall. Mm. Franchise savior, right? First preseason game. Doesn't count, but you want to see how it looks. I remember when Dak Prescott, who was not hyped up, he was, a, I think, a third or fourth round pick. I think yeah. he was a fourth round pick out of Mississippi State. And you watch him in preseason, you're like, oh, oh, he looks like he belongs. Mm. You kind of want to see that, I think, mm-hmm. out of out of out of any rookie player. So it's gonna be fun tonight. I wonder what uh, St. Louis fans are thinking right now, because if you're a hockey fan, you do want to see him play and you want to see what he can do. As a Blues fan, I hope he's not that good. Like I, I hope he's yeah. not that good. Yeah, true. As a St. Louis fan, I could care less about Connor Bedard. Exactly. I don't care at all. I hope he's a failure. I hope he flops. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I hope he sucks. Yeah. But as a hockey fan, you, you want to see talent. Hockey fan, part two. First thing there is a Blues fan. Absolutely. Because there's so many people that are Blues fans that are not necessarily hockey fans. That's fair. And so as a Blues fan, I hope Connor Bedard sucks. <laughs> there as we a go. hockey fan, I'm intrigued to see how he does. Yeah. Mm. I'm intrigued point. to see how he doesn't play well. Probably sucks. <laughs> Jamie, you sent me this. Um, oh, yeah. Just want to ask you guys any question, like this this one question. <laughs> Do you have animals? Several. You have pets. We've got um, two dogs, a cat, and a bearded dragon in the Rivers household currently. Wow. Okay, so you're actually closer to yes. what I'm about to bring up. Anthony, how about you? Uh, no. So with the young ones, so first of all, my son Killian has bad asthma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's very tough to have pets, but they're so young right now, too. It's I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair to bring in a, a young dog or cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, Killian's asthma kind of takes a lot of the animals out. But we do have a uh, we have a pond that the previous owner had put in a long yeah. time ago that that, that, uh, that we have maintained, and we've got we've got fish, got some goldfish and some koi back there. Okay, so Jamie, you have a reptile, and Anthony, you have water in the back of your yeah and fish. Yeah, so that actually fits perfectly with what this guy has as a pet or a service animal. A Phillies fan tried to come into the game last night with what they said was a service animal. That animal happened to be an alligator. <laughs> okay. They brought in an alligator or tried to to a baseball game. Yeah. All right. I mean, first of all, are you even surprised in Philadelphia that this would happen? 
kind of. This sounds like more of a Florida Ooh. thing to me. Well, I'm not all that surprised. What Florida I'm really man. surprised yeah, about right, exactly. is that they don't have the gator's mouth uh, closed with either one of those elastic things or the tape that they use. Yeah. No, that, that gator is just free to roam about the cabin if he wants to here. Wow. And shocked, uh, uh, I'm shocked he didn't get in. Yeah. An emotional support pet. So where are you guys at on that? First of all, because this is kind of, I mean, it's a total Philly or a Florida thing to do. Yeah. To, to have something that is completely out of the realm of possibility and then uh-huh. it just happens. But where are you guys on the emotional support animals? Like, where do you oh, draw the line? Because you can, um, like, anything now. Yeah. Oh. Like, you can have, a, I don't even know, a, a tarantula. And you could say, it's my emotional support animal. Hmm. Okay, I think oh, this is so. Where do you draw a line? Tough. Because people have different, you know, things that they have yeah. emotional support. Mm. But I think that when you're doing that, when you're allowing them to have that, right? I think that the general public has to be taken into consideration as well. Yes. Can you train an alligator? How well can you train an alligator? How well, well I don't can know. you I've train never... a dragon? It seemed like they did a pretty good job in the movies. He did a really good recall, job. Yeah. yeah, rare dragon too. Did a great job. But you know, a service animal that that's a that's a that's a dog, mm. well trained. I don't know how well trained an alligator can be. So mm. I think I'd cut it off at like, tra- how well can you train this this animal? Some people have emotional support horses. That makes sense. I don't know if a horse should be sitting with you at a blues game. I, I'm with. <laughs> I'm with you. That's just me. But that's where I kind of... I don't know if you bring sec- Secretariat to Blackhawks and Blues tonight. You know? I mean... I just, that's just, again, that, that might be just me. I'm here for it. Like, when they score a goal, the horse runs out, and you you run the horse in the concourse. I mean, that I mean, be, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, that'd be I'm really not, safe, I'm, right? I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of fired up for that now. <laughs> that would that would be pretty cool. <laughs> that's another Blues goal! And you got... Secretary doing Secretary laps. doing laughs. You know, maybe instead of throwing catfish on the ice like the yeah. Nashville Predators fans do. You throw horses on the ice? No, we'll no. throw these alligators on the ice. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to say a horse poop or something like that. No. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should be throwing gators. They're 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 animals too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I draw They've the been line around a with long time like, too. Like small animals. How yeah. about something that just makes sense? Right. Yeah. yeah, let's just use right. common sense. If like if you walked around a... with a snake on a plane, right? I'm Which, like, I've seen that before. We've seen documentaries. Happened. It's yeah. happened. But you know, if you want to have an emotional support like ferret or chinchilla or something, I'm fine. Go for it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. snuggly. It's whatever. I could see right. how it would be comforting for someone. Sure. An alligator, I, I just don't know if you're wrapping, you know, your arms around that when this is my emotional support animal. Yeah. I've had reptiles before, ha- currently do have a reptile. Um, I don't want to say they're emotionless, mm-hmm. but it's pretty darn close. Yeah. They don't really care about you. Just yeah. feed me and clean up my poop. I'm thinking that uh, that emotional alligator, if, if you really think about it, if you were to pass alone in your in your house... Yes, yes. He, now you become the emotion. Yeah, oh, well, you're the support. Substance. You're, you're my you, you become digestive the sub- support yeah. system. I'm just, I'm just saying. You're right. Like, oh, you really like Chomps. He loved Chomps. Chomps ate him, though. He, mm. uh, yeah, that's, I mean, he, he got him. That's tough. <laughs> that is, that's a tough look, for sure. Uh, last bit of news here. Colorado's Travis Hunter, who was injured by Colorado State's Henry Blackburn. We've talked about that before when it happened. 
those two met up and went bowling together and have Good for them. essentially mended. Mended, yes. Yeah. So I think Dion had a part of that too. No, I, I do. I think Dion was the one, of course, the power of Dion. I think Dion was the one who arranged for this to, for them to be connected. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason he did that was is because the other young man was receiving death, death threats. threats. Right. His family was receiving death threats. Yeah. Dion went public with saying that, no, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Was it a, a, a questionable play? Maybe. But this kid's a human being. He's yeah. just trying to play football. He, you know, right. Stop with the insanity. And so I think Dion went one step further and connected them. And this is kind of great. So now, like, all the Colorado fans who are out of their minds see this and go, I should probably just shut up now. Yeah, I should probably chill out. But that just goes you the the people want to dog on Dion and Oregon coach and all these people want to yell at the clicks and the this and the that. Yeah. He's out there taking care of things, too. He's taking care of young men. He's diffusing a crazy situation. You could say one would say, "Well, he caused it." No, he didn't cause. He didn't it. cause. He brought it. a lot of hype to the game. Yeah, but he didn't cause death threats. No, and he didn't cause Colorado State playing well below, well, well after the whistle either. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, okay, so Colorado State wanted to set set a a you know uh, a tempo that night. Okay, you could do that between the whistles, you yeah. know, and you could do that between the lines. And you know, Hunter didn't. Hun, Hunter unfortunately was. A victim of that, but you know, good for Dion for patching those those two. Apparently, well, apparently there was one of the kids' brothers too. They have brothers that play on both teams. But I did read earlier today that Dion did have something to do with it. So I'll good. go back and read it. Maybe he talked to the player on his team and got them connected. I don't know. Sure. But the two brothers helped out for sure. So Excellent. appreciate the information. And I think that's a, a a big character move on Travis Hunter's part as well to want to to do that. Yeah. I think it says a lot about him. No doubt. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. Chris Kerber is going to join us next. Voice of the Blues ahead of tonight's Blues and Blackhawks pregame. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on Eric Bedard next on that, Eric. I keep no, that's doing his that. brother, I Anthony. keep doing that with Eric Bedard. Yeah, no, it's his brother. Connor Bedard. Connor is the hockey player. Yeah, yeah, that's my bad. I'll get that at some point. Eric Bedard. Connor Bedard. We'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, much more tonight. Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Tonight, the Blues will take on the Blackhawks pregame right here on 101 ESPN starting at 6.30. It will be the debut of Connor Bedard. I'll get that name right at some point. Good job. Eric Bedard. Nobody's been talking about him at all. No, no. I keep calling the poor kid Eric Bedard who pitched for the uh, Mariners and Orioles. His close friends call him Eric. Yeah, I I don't think so. (laughs) Let's head to the uh, 101 ESPN celebrity line. Talk to the play-by-play man for your St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber. What's up, Kerbs? Hey, how are you, Anthony? Well, if I could get Connor Bedard's name right, I think I'd be a lot better. I keep calling him Eric Bedard, the former pitcher. But other than that, uh, yeah, different guy, different sport, yeah. and uh, they use different gear. But I could understand it. <laughs> Same last name, at least. Uh, Curves. Uh, what? 
you know, I look, we he's a Blackhawk, I get that, but he's also the number one overall pick. Are, are you kind of excited to at least see Connor Bedard take the ice tonight? Yeah, you know what? Well, the Blues will be playing their fourth preseason game. This will be the first one for Chicago. Hmm. So the, I think there's a lot of excitement to see Connor in a uh, in a game and, and what he can do. You know, we've already seen some pretty uh, cool things that he did in a couple of spectacular goals he had in the prospect camp that they had up in Minnesota. And apparently they had a ticketed event, you know, where they were doing some scrimmaging and stuff and uh, had about 500 people there. And he brought people out of their seats at that as well and talking to some folks around here. So uh, it's an exciting time. It's a fortunate thing that uh, the league allows teams to win the, the lottery so many times in, in so many years. And uh, it's once again going to turn this franchise around. And look, what's really clear is they realize, look, we, we were going to go into a rebuild here in Chicago. And when they won that, they said, okay, it may not have to be as long as uh, we thought it might have taken. So then they go out and they start signing some guys, and they sign guys like Corey Perry, and they get Taylor Hall, and, and they get Nick Foligno, and they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to have a young kid like this. We're going to surround him with some grit and, some, um, and some, some veteran guys and not make the mistake that the Oilers and the Sabres and the, uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs have made in, in recent memory, and in doing so, uh, they'll have a, a competitive team that'll be a, more entertaining to watch than the last couple that they've had. Curbs and Blues, you just talked about it. They're playing their fourth preseason game. They've got a number of them, I think eight, I believe, total when all is said and done. What is something that you are looking forward to seeing the Blues continue to do or something that you'd like them to make sure they accomplish during these preseason games? You know, I saw last home game, Jamie, the real intent to hold on to the puck along the wall in the offensive zone. I thought at times we had some some really good uh, offensive zone time. Now, that didn't turn into chances at the net, and that's something that's going to need a little bit of uh, adjusting to. But I think that's part of the progress there. So as camp moves on and we get to the final two weeks of it here, I'm going to start looking more at uh, how the team is playing in front of their net. Is there more of that uh, you know, really conscious effort to stay in front of the goal and and not make it as easy for teams to get in front of the net on our end, and then really how we are creating those offensive chances. We were, a season ago, we had a lot of one-and-done rushes. We, we were not a very good offensive zone time team, and Craig Berube wants to get back to that. So I think those are the two maybe team-wise uh, looks I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on as these preseason games move on. Curves, when you look at the Blues roster construction right now, Anthony and I were kind of talking about it earlier today, you know, all of these preseason games, not just isolated to the Blues, I am seeing a tremendous amount of physicality. And quite honestly, the gloves are being dropped all over the place. It's not reminiscent of the last couple of seasons I've looked at for preseason. But with the Blues roster construction, do you think that Army might be a little ahead of the curve, bringing in some of those big bodies and adding some physicality? Well, and, and not only that, uh, maybe, and, and that understanding of, of- of what you need, like, well, you know, Jimmy, you've seen this. The, the regular season, and I don't care if it's a non-Olympic year, non-World Cup year, non-whatever year that causes a pause in the season. It's still 82 games in a short amount of time. It is a grind, and it is hard to stay healthy. And sometimes those smaller bodies, you know, can get worn down pretty quick. Sometimes those bodies with not enough muscle on them get worn down pretty quick. Um, so I, and then when you get to the playoffs, look at the game. Size and stuff still matters in winning some of those battles and what it takes to, to pull out a long series when you're playing every other day and sometimes having 
you know, single, double, triple overtime games in there. So I think Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube realized that they, they brought him in. I also think, and, and this is just, you know, pure opinion on this one, not really having talked the topic with anybody, but you're in the last year of that flat cap. And so there hasn't been a whole lot of adjustments teams can really make to their team. You know, you're, you're having to see veteran guys sign one-year contracts, maybe two-year contracts, or for a lot less than they thought in some cases. Take of Vladimir Tarasenko, for example. And, and then you've got other guys coming in and veteran guys like a Nick Ritchie saying, man, I'm 27 years old uh, and, and I'm fighting for a job on a regular basis now on a PTO. Well, okay, I know the coach. I know the style. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to be seen. And sometimes with, with the flow of game and so many of these teams really playing similar styles, if you don't find a way to hit and get noticed and make yourself seen in training camp, it, it can be hard to make squads. And I think that's got to be part of it. Chris Kerber joining us right now on the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Uh, Kerbs, when while watching these games thus far, has there been a group that has stood out to you? Whether it was a line, a defensive pairing, maybe it's just maybe just a, a singular player. What has what has kind of made you say, "Wow, that's that's boy, that was an, that was a great play," or maybe he's starting to stack up plays. You know what, uh, so I've only seen two of the three because I did not go. That's an old-fashioned phone ringing behind us. How cool is that? <laughs> uh, like I'm watching an old episode of Mork and Mindy. Um, the, the, you know, the one guy, and I didn't see the Wichita game, but I'll tell you what, Malcolm Subban looked fantastic in the last game. And, and I guess the, the, both games that he's been in, he looked really good. Uh, and, and you say, well, that may not matter because, you know, obviously it's going to be Hofer and it's going to be Bennington here in St. Louis. But, well, we, we know that you're going to use a third goalie at some point in time over the course of a season, and I, I think that that is, is really good to see. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, that in these games that I've seen so far, anyone else has really just jumped off the page. What I'm looking at more, Anthony, is you know Perunovic is going to be back in there again. He had a really good first game, an okay second game. Let's see what he does with Colton Pareko in this game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for things like that. You're going to see... Bolduc tonight and Dean, and they're going to be on a line with Nick Ritchie, so they'll have some size and, and just a chance to see how some of these guys do. I, as we move now into game four, five, six, you know, and Doug Armstrong has eight games on the schedule. When, as we move in, we'll see if more of that gets there because those first couple of games, sometimes it's just a matter about getting your skates under you, right? Um, but so far, you know, I haven't seen Sam Bitten, maybe, you know, with his speed and, and what he did, maybe moves up a notch or two on the depth chart, earned another game. But um, honestly, I don't know that anyone's kind of surprised and said, man, keep an eye on this guy so far because he's, he's, he's turning pages. Yeah, it's been a little early for that. But I, you know, Curbs, to your point of Malcolm Subban, I was in Wichita and saw that game. He was incredible. He was absolutely incredible. I know he followed that up last game, too, with the Blues. And you're right. That third goalie depth is going to be important at some point this year for the Blues. And in, in talking to another player today, Sammy Blay, you know, this is a player that's highly motivated as well. And you know, he's getting opportunity out there playing on a power play, playing on a third line role. You know, what do you see for Sammy Blay this year overall? And, you know, in your opinion, what does he have to do to keep that going? Well, look, there's one thing very clear, you know, for a guy like Sammy Boy. You have to go in the corners, you have to use your physicality, you have to hit. And then you've got to get to the front of the net, and he's going to find pucks to the front of the net and score. He's got that ability. And, 
you know, Sammy Blay has a real opportunity this year, and maybe the best opportunity he's had, in my opinion, in his entire career, uh, to have a role, be successful at that role, and then earn a multi-year contract as a free agent. And he's got the ability, he's got the speed, and he's got the size. So for him, it's going to be a matter of staying consistent to that game and doing it. So it, it's time, you know, at, at the at his age now, I mean, it's time to see that game consistency, that pro consistency uh, every single day on the ice in practice and everything. And you know how long it can take some guys to, to learn that. And it, it's just a growth and mature, maturation process. But to me, that's where it's got to be. Go in the corners and get to the net and, and play that role where your size is valuable. You know, and, and because anything short of that, and there's not much more to his game. Like right now, Sammy Blay is not looked at as a, as a power play player, as a penalty killer. A guy like Alexi Korobchenko is getting penalty kill time. There's other aspects for Sammy. It's five on five right now, and, and he needs to take advantage of it. Curbs, good stuff. And we know that you're getting ready for the pregame show at 630. And of course, the call of tonight's Blues and Blackhawks will be tuned in. All right, you got it, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Curbs. That's Chris Gerber. Cheers. Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. You'll hear him again coming up at uh, 630 when we got the pregame for the Blues and the Blackhawks. Biggest question of the day next in the Fastlane. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fastlane's biggest question of the day. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. You're the big voice. Time to do the biggest question of the day. All right, guys. I got a question from the 618. Out of all of the young guys that are in starting rotation for the cards, who are you most intrigued by? Me personally, I would like to. I would like an extended look at Dakota Hudson and Zach Thompson as options for the four five slots or competition for the five spot. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not interested in Dakota Hudson. At all. Um, Zach Thompson intrigues me. And the reason he intrigues me is he's pitched pretty solid this year going through kind of weird circumstances. Mm -hmm. He was going to be a big part of the bullpen. Then he was back down in the minors to stretch him out and be a starter. Yeah. He's back up in the majors as a starter. He pitched pretty good. Yeah. Like, I never felt nervous this year. Like, was he a stud or an ace? No. But he got you four or five innings, and even though like he wasn't stretched out fully, they didn't even want to pitch him as a starter when they did because they didn't think he was ready to pitch. Remember, he had the the three or four inning cap yeah. on him at first. You know, that's all we're doing: or eighty five pitches, and we're done. Mm-hmm. You know, or eighty pitches, whatever the hell it was. So I'm intrigued by Zach Thompson. I think he's going to get bigger. I think he's going to get stronger. I think uh, he's going to bring more of an arsenal. He already has a four pitch arsenal. Now he uses the changeup sparingly. I think it's under 5%, but he still has it. Yeah. So for me, there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, for me, I, you and I are thinking similar here. I, I want to see the Cardinals go outside of the organization to, to improve this this rotation. If, if they do consider the internal options, great. Bring them to spring training. Have them compete. I think, that's, I think all that is fantastic. But when it comes to guys like Dakota Hudson, I, I, think, he's, I think he's better suited for the bullpen. I think we know what he is. You know, if he winds up being your fifth starter, is it, you know, is it terrible? It's not terrible, but that to me that that means that one, you didn't sign enough guys in free agency or make enough moves in the offseason to improve this starting rotation and or 
your your other top internal options didn't beat out Dakota Hudson. No offense to him, but like the, we we know exactly what Hudson is, and we know what he isn't. So if your internal options do not beat out Hudson, or your front office wasn't aggressive enough or allowed to be aggressive enough to improve the starting rotation, I, I think that's that in and of itself is part of the issue. So that's kind of where I'm at with uh, with that. Uh, Cardinals, by the way, they trail the Brewers three to nothing right now in the top of the ninth. Uh, Mason Wynn does have an opportunity to uh, extend this game with runners at first and second. So we'll, we'll kind of keep you updated on that one. But fortunately, the season is almost over for this Cardinals team. Way to three go, nothing, Anthony. Three nothing final, by the way. A pop the, uh, out to the catcher. Yeah. Did you expect anything differently? Well, I was thinking maybe a ground ball to the right side. Maybe get thrown out at home. He almost golfed one out. He did, he yeah. Was foul, though. So, yeah, the Brewers beat the Cardinals 3-0 in the regular season series finale between the two teams. Brewers going to the playoffs. Cardinals going golfing. Tonight, Thursday night football, you got the Lions and Packers. Should be a good matchup. I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of tune into that one. It's going to be a good game. You guys got your, your picks in? I do. For the NFL Pick'em Challenge? I do. We're up 3 nothing right now on the Rizzuto Show. They've made it personal. Who are we going with? Do we say? I don't think it matters or like this this early, does it? I, I mean, you, the Lions. I, you, went, I went with the Packers. You could go with all road teams. You could. Now, I don't know why you do that. I went with a whole bunch. The road, the road teams do look good this week. Yeah, I went um, with the Packers too. By the way, did you? Mm-hmm. I uh, early you went look the Packers too. Yeah, early look. Oh. There's a lot of people on the Lions. I think the Lions are going to lie in tonight. You know, what's that, that game? Rip their faces off? No, yeah. that game last year. Yeah. The game last year. As much as we want to talk about how big of a game it was for Detroit, it didn't matter. There was no implications other than the Packers missing the playoffs. Does it make Does it make it more impressive though to do that? Because you they they found out like an hour before kickoff that they were eliminated, and they still played hard. That's fair. That's impressive. And the Packers still squandered it. I remember that game though. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were in the red zone pretty consistently that night. They just didn't convert, which is one of the reasons why I kept saying this this summer. Like Aaron Rodgers didn't play well last year. I think that this winds up being. A, a really good litmus test for the Lions. Jared Goff is the more experienced quarterback. He got a team to the damn Super Bowl. You should win this game if you're the Lions. You're favored on the road. It's a divisional matchup. You won here last year. You got the more experienced quarterback. You were the more hyped team. Nobody knew what Jordan Love really was. This is a game you should win if you're the Lions. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's not like the Lions are playing uh, the Denver Broncos or Chicago Bears right now. But this is a nice early season test. You passed the first one when you knocked off Kansas City in their house. Then yeah. you turned around. You still, you, lioned, you lioned all over yourself mm-hmm. against the Seahawks. But like then you, you rebound. Mm-hmm. I don't like you saying it that way. You, you kept the Falcon. You held mm-hmm. the Falcons at three to, to, uh, six points, two field goals. That was it. Short week, though. Short week. You're traveling. But come on, you got. The, am I wrong, Jamie? You got the better quarterback. You got the better quarterback. You got better. The, supposed to be the better team. This game you gotta win. 
Yeah, no, I think every game you got to win, Anthony. That's why you, you go out there and you play hard to win. You play to win the game. Play Who the, the hell yeah. goes to play and lose? I mean, apart from certain teams here locally. Uh, well, but, Denver, I think you got to uh, talk to them. Who does that kind of thing? Broncos. Yeah. Bears, I think, are trying to lose at this point. Well, that's going to be an interesting one. Right? <laughs> Both trying to lose. Who wants it more? We got the, we got the text about... Um, the Broncos and Bears game could end in a tie. I could. Oh, that would be that great. Would zero, zero. <laughs> no, that would mean the teams would have to play defense. Like, what would be <laughs> What would be a great... See, to me, it's like 16-16. Yeah. You know? It's just either way. I'm thinking maybe like nine... Garbage. Nine, nine to six. Nine six. But like it wasn't three field goals. It was a touchdown and a safety. <laughs> yeah, or a nine, touchdown and a missed extra point. Or it's like six and to a four. beautiful and a beautiful day in Chicago too. Not a nine six game yeah. where it's snow or rain or you can't move the ball. Nine six, beautiful day in Chicago. Yeah. I don't know. Going back to the Jared Goff thing though. I don't know if he tries to do like a, a road Lambo leap. I'm, I don't think he's going to be no able to way. do it. He wouldn't do that. Well, Jared, he tried doing it at home last week. You could barely get up there. Well, that's fair. But it, it, Jared, that is not in Jared Goff's personality to do the the Lambo leap. There's no way in Green Bay. Jim Campbell would do it. I could see it. Jim Campbell. Wow, Jim I am Campbell. terrible. Dan Campbell would do it. <laughs> Jim Carroll. Jim Campbell's not going to do Soupy, it. Soupy, there's no Dan way Campbell's he's getting not. up there. I've can seen I, him lately. He's not getting there. Can I swap out any other first names today? Anthony, Holy smokes. You need to get some sleep or something tonight. Hey, can we talk wow. about... Wow. We didn't bring this up. Can we talk about Jamie an Rivers idiot. being an absolute unit on the defensive line yeah. for yeah. Big Red? T- tell your story. You know that. Have you heard that story before? Well, I, I didn't know it until you uh, you sent it to me. All right. So me and Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, Marshy, I forget where he sent it. Sent me this video clip from the St. Louis Football Cardinals mm. and the big goal line stand. And one of the guys who was part of it was Jamie Rivers. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so a great defensive player for the Cardinals in his time. But the funny part of the story is, years ago, somebody sent me a card to sign. Mm -hmm. And it came to my house, and they opened it up, and it was the football Cardinals Jamie Rivers. No way. Yeah. Jamie Rivers, hi, Mr. Rivers, real big fan of yours, something like that. If you could please sign my card, I've enclosed a self-addressed envelope, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at the card, and let's just be honest, it looks nothing like me. The Jamie Rivers play for the Cardinals was black. I am not. And so, I mean, it's as simple as that. And I play hockey, he plays football. There's there's some differences. There's some differences, clearly. As different as Eric Bedard and Connor Bedard. Probably. Or Jim Campbell and Dan Campbell, for sure. Yes, most definitely. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know how to handle it. Um, So I got a card of mine and signed it and put it with his card of the other Jamie Rivers yeah. and wrote a little note and said, hey, wrong Jamie Rivers, but here's one for your collection. <laughs> nice. And I sent it back to him. He sent it back to me again saying, this is such a funny story. I want you to keep this card. And I, I still did. have it. Yeah, I That's have cool. it. And I have this thing on my wall to where there's a bunch of like little plastic holders in this big picture frame so you can put like any kind of cards that you collect mm-hmm. 
Well, I had somebody put together all of my playing cards nice. are in this big frame. And there's a second one that's about half full. Mm-hmm. And there's the football one. <laughs> that's really cool. I love that. That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, and Anthony Stahl to wrap up the show. What you miss, criticisms, compliments next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you miss anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. Podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We chatted with Chris Kerber today ahead of tonight's Blues and Blackhawks matchup. Don't forget pregame starting at 6.30 here on 101 ESPN. Uh, we also chatted with Matt Holiday. Talked to Matt about the defensive issues at the... And I mean, really, we talked about the Cardinals' defensive issues in the first segment. And then we brought in Matt kind of clarify some things for us. How much do, do teams during the season work on fundam- fundamentals? How much do you work on defensive plays and things like that? Well, Matt filled us in on that and a, a couple of other things. Played a bunch of games today, too. Hot take or hot garbage. NFL better bet. Thursday night preview. How big of a game is this? Not only for both teams, but the Lions specifically as they try to take hold here of the N- NFC North. And Jamie broke down the Minnesota Wilds and how they stack up against the Blues. Marsh, you've been laughing. You laughed all break, in fact. Yeah. Somebody's mic is... I don't know what that is. It's a hot mic. Is yours plugged in back there? Is your little thing again? No. Playing music? Oh, my. The iPod? What was that? I think it's your mic. Is it? Yeah. I don't think it's making it anymore, making that noise. Plug it in in the back there, Marsh. Plug it in? Yeah, plug it in. Plug it, in. it ain't mine. I haven't touched it. There we're we good. go. Sound like aliens were trying to contact us. Maybe. Uh, yeah, we got a text from uh, our pal Moose. Y'all are awesome. I drive for work every week up to about 15 hours a week behind the wheel. Listen to the fast lane religiously. Always makes my drives go by fast. Sugar, I'm coming for you in the gauntlet soon someday. Marshy Post 611 produces elite talent when it comes to regional radio broadcasting board operators and sales territory managers. I don't know what that means. Wow. <laughs> Staltz, work on your names and you'll be all right. Just kidding, Staltz. Heard you're a menace in the beer league softball circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Uh, our buddy Moose, a.k.a. Moose. Sam. Who, oh, uh, Sam. I thought it was Miles Michaels. No. <laughs> no. Moose, Sam, we appreciate you, man. That was an awesome text. Thank you. Awesome. That was Thank fantastic. You. I Thanks for listening. I can see where the confusion, though, saying work on your names, it could translate to work on your boat names. That's true. I see yeah. where the confusion is. Yeah, good call on that. Yeah, great text. Thank you. Uh, this one's from Marsh's Burner. I wonder what it would be like if you guys didn't get nasty one day. Being nasty every day must be a workout. It is. It's yeah. a duty of ours, though. It, darn right it is. Yeah, yeah good call yes. on that. I will get nasty every day as long as you tune in. If you're there, we'll get nasty. Yes. Yeah. We got a text from Tom on our YouTube page. Obviously, the Cardinals lost today 3 nothing. They lost yesterday 3-2. to He said the cards couldn't beat a drum. No. No, drum three, Cardinals won. It's a tough look right now for the Cardinals. They've mm. got a lot of guys in the lineup that probably yep. don't belong. They've got things mm. going on. They've got injuries. It's just They're just wanting this to be over, just yeah. like we are. Yeah, so you got three games. 
Mm-hmm. Three games against the Reds, you're done. It's Wayne a weekend. It's Wayne a weekend. That's right. Hell yeah. Yeah. Do we break down the set list tomorrow, or maybe instead of the lineup game, we play the set list? Oh, that'd be a good idea. You know, but they're all originals, though. Got we don't know the That's right. That's, right. No, that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. we can guess the names. Yeah. You know? I don't Guys, know. Yeah, you got me on that. Come on. Uh, speaking of music, though, we were talking about Taylor Swift earlier. We got a text from the three one four that said, "You guys sound like TMZ." Thank you. TMZ's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What that means. I don't know if that's a compliment. Uh, it used to be an insult, but now TMZ's so mainstream. Like they used to be the the hot take paparazzi, were catching you with your pants down type thing. I think they still are. Yeah, well, they are, but they're more of a mainstream media thing mm. now. Do they focus on certain things? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if it's an insult. Yeah, uh, you know oh, what? Yeah, sure. Hold on. It's us. It, it's up to us whether or not we want to That's take it true. as an insult. And we don't. We don't take it as an insult. There you go. No. Uh, speaking of Taylor Swift, though, Jamie brought up John Mayer. Yeah. Uh, and that being her first album, we got a text from the 314. John Mayer was her third album. Yeah, Jamie, no. you loser, LOL. No, what I'm not a loser. Oh, well, wow. I might be. I don't know. But Jeez. Uh, what I meant was like that was like her first real boyfriend, not her first album. Because she made an album about him after they broke up because she was like 19 and he was like 30, I think, or something like that. It was oh, like, what yeah. a creep. And pretty much that's <laughs> what the album's about. Is anything negative you can say about yeah. John Mayer? It's in uh, song form. Sure. Creed. Uh, yeah. Uh, Stone Tumble Pilots wrote a song about him, too. Did they? Mm hmm. The Lonely Island creep. wrote a song about being a creep, too. Oh, yeah. 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 So With did Nicki Minaj, right? <laughs> yeah. How do you know that? Radiohead I, did, too. I'm a creep. That's a great song. Uh, Lonely Island. They're fantastic. I know all yeah. their tunes. Oh, okay. Sure couldn't, couldn't tell you a Taylor Swift one, but uh, Lonely Island, yeah, I'm yeah. in. Yeah, Nicki Minaj was in that one. She was. Did you see the Michael Bolton? Bolton uh, I did, yeah. Pirates guys of the... don't look at explosions. No, no, no. No, that's, that's not it. You're right. Michael Bolton's the Pirates of the Caribbean. That's right. He was obsessed yeah. with... Uh... This is the tale <laughs> of Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, do you get into those? What? The Lonely Island? No. Songs? No. You're missing out. Ah, the one with T-Pain's pretty good. I'm uh, on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a... Oh, not that one. I'm on a boat. Yeah. I'm on a... That's it. That's from uh, no that you're Step thinking Brothers. you're thinking of boats and <laughs> boats, yeah. boats and hoes. <laughs> it's a different that's album. I was like, no, that's not. Yeah, it. no, the T Pain one. You were actually singing. You were crediting though. Uh, uh what, what was your company? Uh, Prestige, Prestige Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, you were crediting the other team. All right, <laughs> is that is that it, Marsh? Yeah. By the way, it's Radiohead, not Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots has a song "Creep" too, though. Mm. I'm pretty sure. I'll take your word for it. Anthony just stalled us. No, I didn't. He did. It's it's either it's either the song creep or the the album creep. No creep, the song. Come on, guys. I know Whatever. my I know my SDP. Just go home and watch Eric Bedard. Blues, Blackhawks pregame, six thirty. Connor Bedard's there. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.